Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor, and uh, welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, if you're not familiar, Catching Up on Cinema is a podcast wherein uh, Kyle and I take turns kind of introducing one another to films that uh, at least one of us hasn't seen before. Uh, so the premise is, of course, for us to help one another to catch up on our cinema. Uh, this month uh, was kind of hastily thrown together. We have a very, very loose theme. Uh, we, like, we like to do themes for the month. Uh, Last month was catching up on Keanu month, wherein we watched a lot of Keanu Reeves movies that at least one of us hadn't seen before. Uh, and this month, I guess we're calling it what, like franchise month or something? No, the final movie in uh, in franchises, and this is a huge franchise, of course. Yeah. So what we're doing this month is we're looking at the latest entry in long-lived franchises. So the beginning of the month, the first episode in the series uh, was Halloween from uh, 2018. Uh, which is a series that extends back to what 1978 yeah 78 yeah yeah that's that's pretty pretty long-lived franchise however this episode we're tackling a franchise that's even more long-lived and that would be the james bond franchise uh, which extends back to 1962 uh, and of course the most recent film in the series is specter uh, from 2015 which is what we're going to be covering today uh, film was directed by Sam Mendes. This is his second James Bond movie and the fourth that has starred Daniel Craig. Uh, as far as I know, he's only got one more that they definitely have him set up to do. He's been saying he doesn't want to do it anymore since, like, the first one. <laughs> Trevor, I don't but think they he wanted to do this movie. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> and it shows. But, yeah, Daniel Craig has been trying to get out of this gig for quite a while. Um, I don't blame him. But I know they offer him so much money. I'm sorry. So is he the he ugliest James back. Bond? I think he might be the ugliest James Bond. Uh, he's the least traditionally handsome James Bond. Although That's Roger Moore, Roger Moore yeah. was well into his fifties by the time he finished his tenure as James Bond, and he he looks like your dad. Daniel he's... Craig looks like your cool uncle. Daniel Craig's got the body going for him. That's what he's got. I remember he popped that shirt off in Tomb Raider. You're like, okay, now I remember why. Yeah. And this, well, well that's like, what's mm. funny about these these franchise gigs. Is I have a theory about it where every time you get like one of these prestigious roles, uh, the first time all these guys tackle these roles, they take it super hardcore serious and they can live in the gym and mm -hmm. they eat nothing but chicken breasts and broccoli. Because <laughs> like Chris Hemsworth, Thor, yeah. 20, 2010, he was gigantic yeah. like like he has never looked like that ever again in his life um same with daniel craig and casino royale holy fucking shit <laughs> but then like after Patrick that Bateman? he yeah definitely but like he he kind of deflates a little bit as the years go along and well, he's in his suit a little bit more often <laughs> well his age is going to come up later and uh, a problem i had with this movie but uh he said i guess he said that it's getting harder and harder for him to get into shape because he's just getting older. He's like, yeah, I just can't do it at 47. I can't get into that kind of shape again. Yeah, but what's funny about that is, like I said, Roger Moore was in his 50s, like, when he finished his tenure as James Bond. Uh, Pierce Brosnan, I think, hit 50, like, halfway through. Like, like he really? was probably fit. No he, no, he must have been 50 by the time they did Die Another Day. So at the end of his tenure. I thought he was younger uh, so, than that when he played Bond. Being in your late 40s and being Bond is not an uncommon thing, except for there's uh, different cultural standards now. 
because we live in the Marvel era where mm-hmm. Disney apparently has contract clauses that require every male star to have abs for at least one trailer shot so we can get the ladies and you know people that are into that to go see the film. But back in the day, you know, Sean Connery was what, Mr. Universe? Like no. he was he was a bodybuilder back in his day. Was he? Yes. I like no know. joke. He was he was like not Mr. Universe, maybe Olympia or something. one of those bodybuilding competitions. Was he it before was like the first th- was It was before Arnold took over. Absolutely. When they were when they were still like human looking. No, this was in like the 1950s, but he as far as okay. I remember, that's like a trivia point. He was like one of the first like prestigious bodybuilders of his day or something. Gotcha. So cultural standards have, you know, changed since then. But anyway, we should probably get to the movie. Yeah. Uh, so Spectre from 2015, like I said, this is the second uh, Sam Mendes James Bond movie, the first being Skyfall, uh, which personally, I, you know, I have mixed feelings about. I don't particularly like it, but most people disagree. Uh, it's generally a very well-liked James Bond movie, and not only that, it made all the money. Like, it made an insane amount of money, uh, to the point that I think that's largely why we got the script for Spectre that we did because it's it ties very very closely to Skyfall uh, and that of course they brought back the same director so it's like if it worked once studio logic is let's do it again uh, well, in this case James Gunn <laughs> yeah uh, however major difference is James Gunn writes all of his movies uh, I don't writer. actually know who wrote I don't know who wrote this but who uh, wrote this who wrote this this is ridiculous <laughs> I mean if you look at the if you look at the trivia for this movie there are at least four names attached to the screenplay which suggests oh. that it was monkeyed with a little bit along the way yeah it doesn't make a lot of sense um, yeah so do you want me to be the one running us through this since I most recently watched it and you're literally watching it right now <laughs> You're not supposed to tell people that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to lean on you for the finer details, but the broad strokes and the and the major gripes I have are definitely like burned, like seared oh, in okay. my memory. So I won't need help there. But uh, yeah, uh, would you like to give us the plot rundown for this one? Yeah, so we have uh, James Bond uh, ends up getting suspended, more or less, turning your badge and gun. And he goes rogue, which I don't think is possible in a spy spy agency. Uh, for Q, was that her name? Uh, Judy Dench. Uh, M. M. Sorry. Uh, so she she tells him like, "Hey, I need you to go do something." He's like, "All right, good enough for me." Hey, hang on, dude, 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 dude. She she dead though. Yeah, she's dead. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Make sure people know that. Okay, so M's dead. Uh, posthumously, she's like, hey, I need you to go take care of this, and no questions asked, he's going to take care of it. Um, meanwhile, uh, Rafe Fines is trying to keep um, the double O program uh, afloat uh, from some dude. So I haven't seen the other movies. I've only seen Skyfall, so I don't know who this little wormy guy is, but basically the wormy guy is in cahoots with the villain, who we almost don't see at all in this movie, uh, he's trying to shut them down because his surveillance company is going to be taking over worldwide. Worldwide surveillance company. So, I mean, for the folks that maybe haven't seen the movie, picture uh, the sonar thing from The Dark Knight, but all like all of the world as monitored by MI6. Yeah, they just have uh, cameras everywhere, apparently. 
And yeah, by the way, the wormy guy did not appear in any of the other films. Oh, he okay. Was, he was a new addition to this one. And yeah, I think your description of him is perfect. Because <laughs> that's all I remember about him, is he was wormy and young. That's about it. <laughs> um, yeah, so we start off in Mexico City for some reason. Uh, I'm not sure why we're here, but we are. Um, <laughs> we get we get like a nice some some nice shots here. Has Tim Burton ever been to Mexico City? Because I feel like he would love Dios de los Muertos. Because uh, it looks like a, like Tim Burton fun. I mean, so much of the imagery, yeah. I mean, so much of like Mexican iconography seems like something that would work for him. Although the color palette, maybe not so much. <laughs> yeah, there's not enough purple. It's not enough purple, not enough just, like, straight black. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, uh, the the big thing that was promoted uh, before this movie came out, uh, aside from the casting, which we'll get to, mm-hmm. but uh, a, a big thing that was, was pushed to the public was that, oh, my God, there's this, this amazing master shot sequence in the opening of James Bond 24, because this is the 24th film in the series. Uh, and, yeah, that would be this Mexico City sequence where... It's pretty pretty well choreographed. Oh, very good. Definitely, amb- it's ambitious. Uh, it's this long tracking shot, uninterrupted for probably three minutes, maybe a little more. Three minutes and change uh, that follows James Bond wearing a skull mask and a top hat, which looks pretty cool. Uh, I don't know why they put that on the cover of the DVD, by the way. I have no clue. It's in exactly one scene in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> it does not come back up at all. It's like the the skull face tattoo man in Forty Seven Ronin. <laughs> He's in one scene, but yeah, it's him and a very very handsome young woman uh, mm-hmm. taking a stroll through uh, a parade in Mexico City. Uh, it's very very lavishly choreographed and and dressed. Like the production design is definitely like spot on. And it's just this long tracking shot, uninterrupted, uh, following them through the parade and in what appears to be a hotel, up through like a spiral staircase on an elevator, and then they hop into bed together, uh, right quick, <laughs> yeah. and and then he's out the window, and uh, the tracking shot concludes with him like posting up like a a shooting position. Like, he's he's supposed to be monitoring some sort of shady deal that's going on across the way. Uh, yeah, he's just walking on top of a building in plain sight with a machine gun, just mm-hmm. just strolling doesn't even like keep it under his jacket he's like oh no just just strolling well see that's that's actually like one of the one of the key elements of daniel craig's james bond because every 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 performer that takes on the role has something that they bring to the table roger moore was like kitschy campy humor like he he was he was almost embarrassing but he was so goddamn charming that you couldn't help it uh daniel craig is swagger like he has like that almost like kind of annoying self-confidence about him where he's mm. kind of smug and he has the coolest fucking walk. <laughs> like, like of all the James Bonds, I don't think anyone looks better strolling around in a suit, just looking like a pimp. <laughs> like, he was a college education away from being a hooligan. I think like that's what his James Bond was. It's like, yeah, if he hadn't done, uh, if he hadn't been James Bond, he was just going to be wearing that zip up jacket and beating the shit out of opposing teams firms. See, again, that's, that's a core element to his take on the character. Um, you, so for audience reference, um, which James Bond movies of his have you seen? Uh, there are only four of them. This and Skyfall. Okay, yeah, so you've seen the, the two most recent. 
Um, so Casino Royale was the first time he took on the character. Uh, and his tenure as James Bond has been the first and pretty much only one. Well, I mean, there are exceptions. Like, Pierce Brosnan's had a few callbacks. Sean Connery's had a few callbacks. Like, a few recurring characters. But Daniel Craig, his tenure as a character has been unique in the sense that it's it's had a canon to it. Like, it, it's had a distinct beginning and, I assume, an end point. Mm. So the character's actually grown and changed, which is unusual. James Bond is usually stag- static. Uh, so in Casino Royale, you actually get to witness him becoming the character. And they actually do go over his, his roots and the fact that he was an orphan. And the fact that, yeah, uh, if he hadn't become a spy, he probably would just be a hooligan. An educated hooligan, but still a hooligan. He's, he's Matt Damon from Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Makes them? Sense. That makes sense. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, so he's he's walk, walking over, and these two fellows are talking in a, in a room in a little office across the way, and he's listening to them and also has them in his sights, and a uh, little reflection goes off, and they're kind of he's kind of given away and he just pops, he shoots a few dudes and then he ends up shooting, um, what is a bomb and this building explodes. Like, well, at least this, this floor explodes. And I had a good chuckle here cause he, he hides from the explosion and then he comes back around with his gun. I'm like, I think they're dead. <laughs> like, if they're dead, <laughs> I don't think they're alive anymore. <laughs> there was a big explosion in that room. Yeah, what, what's what's more is I, I think he was there to prevent that from happening. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, then, I'm sure the bomb had a destination, but, you know, at the end of the day, maybe just don't let it go off. <laughs> uh, he Buster Keaton's his way down to the floor. Uh, that's the best way I could think to describe <laughs> sure. it. I'll go with that. <laughs> uh, just by coincidence, he slides and finds a couch. And then uh, one of the, the dude with the ponytail... Uh, is still alive, and James Bond starts chasing him. Yeah, and this leads to like a brief foot chase that turns into a scuffle on a helicopter yeah. in the middle of I don't know this location. I should because it's Mexico I City. Actually, I know, and I feel bad because I was actually dating someone who was from there <laughs> when this <laughs> came out. So, um, but yeah, it's it's a. Very likely a very famous location, Mexico City. It's a large square that is. I know they hired a lot of extras for this scene, but there are a lot of CGI. Extras I was gonna say there's sure. a lot of CGI extras. Yeah, because you're not gonna have a helicopter doing some of the shit that it's doing here uh, no. without killing fifty people. Um, but yeah, it turns into a scuffle on a helicopter. Uh, it feels like a scene out of a Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> it's a bit extreme. Uh, yeah, it's extreme, which is not, you know beyond the realm of possibility for a James Bond movie. James oh, Bond no, movies it's can not. be very goofy. <laughs> no, James Bond movies can be ridiculous, and that's part of why I love them. But uh, what's really funny about the sequence is what I remember uh, of it is they actually reused some music from Skyfall uh, during the helicopter fight. And what's more, I, I remember being upset with that piece of music. Uh, it's, the soundtrack's by Thomas Newman, by the way, who's a very talented composer. And he does good work for both Skyfall and this, but what's funny about that piece of music is uh, it, it's it's kind of like regional, I guess? Like, the, the opening of Skyfall uh, takes place in a country where that, where that style of music would make sense. But then they reuse that music for a sequence on the other side of the planet 
and it makes a little less sense. And now we're using it in Mexico, which makes even less sense. <laughs> so it's, it's like a a little bit lazy, I guess, is what I'm trying to point out. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, if I remember right, they have their little fight. Uh, James Bond kicks the dude out of the helicopter, but he jacks a ring from him, right? Yeah, he takes a ring from him. That's the important thing to take from him. He has a, a, a ring with a little octopus on it. Um, yeah. And then we get, oh, he, he ends up uh, throwing the pilot out. And, of course, James Bond is a pilot. Um, he, <laughs> he, uh, he ends up flying away. And then we get our credit sequence. A um, few things about this credit sequence. Uh, it's weird. Um, we get, did you watch it? I know you're kind of watching it now, but did you watch the credit sequence? Oh, of course. No, I, okay. I saw this in the theater and at home a couple times. So it's weird. Uh, there's an octopus throughout uh, there's a mm-hmm. skeleton, and we have a song. The song, I'm sorry, is horrible. I'm pretty <laughs> sure Sam Smith won an Oscar for it. Uh, he's an incredible singer. Like he's a, he's a great voice, but this song is fucking terrible. Um, I'm sorry, but he the, 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 over the credits, I'm like James Bond is supposed to be a sexy like you know it's a sexy movie. He's supposed to have sexy credits, and they kind of are, but they keep throwing an octopus in, and you know what's not fucking sexy? Octopus porn, because that's all the, that's what is going on. Hey, 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 let's not say things we can't take back. Just, don't, kink, don't kink shame, Kyle. I'm not going to kink shame. I'm just saying, it's not my experience, uh, and I was just like that. That's all I could think of. I was kind of laughing at it because that's that's what was popping into my head. I'm like, what octopus porn? Like, why why is this sexy? This isn't sexy. And there's sexy so, ladies in the credits. So, you know, this is tradition with James Bond movies dating dating back way back in the day. Uh, the the song and the title sequence. Um, yeah. Some some of them are amazing. Some of them are laughable. <clears throat> this one's just kind of weird. Uh, it's strange. And then Octopus uh, has almost nothing to do with this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I think my biggest objection to the imagery in the sequence, and it needs to be said, the, the quality of the imagery uh, is very well executed and oh, well edited. It looks great. Yeah, and all the, all the modern James Bond movies, pretty much all the James Bond movies, uh, the opening sequences are fantastic. A lot of times they, they hire, they spare no expense uh, hiring the best talent to do these like three-minute scenes. I think um, Spy Hard has the this, best one. That head explosion, man. <laughs> that head explosion yeah, the always weirdo gets Yankovic me. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> but I think my biggest objection to this is uh, that they they made the octopus literal. Like they couldn't just do yeah. a motif with like like arm shaped like leg shaped things, but no, they actually have like a literal octopus with eyes and with like breathing organs and everything. It's like no, don't. Don't define the octopus. Leave it kind of implied, or like just use the motif of the legs or something. But no, they have a literal fucking octopus that looks like giant fucking Cthulhu or something yeah. hanging over James Bond. It's like, hang on, whoa, is he gonna be fighting Cthulhu? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm in, <laughs> sure. But is yeah, it's very important? weird. No. What's weird about the song is that I like the music. Uh, the singing, not so much. I agree. Sam Smith is a very good. He's a very talented singer. But the the weird part about the melodies is that it sounds like a eulogy. Like it sounds like this is supposed to be like the last James Bond movie, or like something real bad's gonna happen in this movie. But they don't commit to it, mm-hmm. so it it feels like a a false promise. That's like, why did you do that? Why did you? 
Why did you tease me with that? <laughs> Last thing I have to say about the title sequence is um, it's a small nitpick and it's not even a legitimate one. It's just something I notice every now and again. I don't like it when the title song doesn't have the same title as the movie. <laughs> For a James Bond movie, I understand. Yeah. That I understand. Yeah, it's, I, I've always had a, a running gag because I, I like to make short films and stuff every now and again. And I've always said, like, if I was to make movies, uh, every one of them would have a self-titled theme song bearing mm -hmm. the same title as, as the movie uh, and a fist fight at the end, <laughs> regardless of the context. But, yeah, I, I don't like it because the, the title of this song is Writings on the Wall and the title of the movie is, of course, Spectre. Uh, Octopussy. Uh, famously does not have a song by that name. Uh, I think it's Nobody Does It Better. Is that, it might be that one. But anyway, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um, so where where do we end up after the title sequence, Kyle? Uh, title sequence, uh, we get Rafe Fiennes and um, James Bond, and he's getting the classic chew out. Um, except uh, English people are way classier about it. It's like, you're not supposed to be doing that. Or oh, didn't know you're supposed to be doing that, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's just super calm and quiet, and it's very nice. Um, Rafe Fiennes is basically like, turn in your badge and your gun, you're going to be stuck at a desk, or you're going to be like on leave of absence, something like that. Um, and there's that this wormy guy comes in the office, and I assume he was in the other movies, but he's not. And there's a bit of a power struggle here. You can tell that James Bond is not happy about him. and uh, They have an exchange, and uh, he... Basically, the wormy guy knows that James Bond is going to be out, and he I guess he has a meeting with <clears throat> Ray Fiennes. Um, this guy... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, wormy guy's official name is C, by the way, and they do... Uh... Sorry. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> they, they. I don't know if they, I don't can't remember if they actually say that, but they. No, they to. don't. No. <laughs> they really want to though. Yeah. We'll call him struggling runt. Uh, <laughs> I have weird ass credits, bad song, uh, power struggle. Okay, so he's been asked to leave, and James Bond goes home, and I love his apartment. Uh, <laughs> it's probably one of the one of my favorite things I've seen. It's a shithole. Like it's it's just. No care has been put into it. He hasn't unpacked. He has, like, no belongings. He has a TV on the floor and a chair and <laughs> alcohol. Like, there's just nothing. I really like it. But um, he, on his way home, he bumps into Naomi Harris, and she's like, hey, this, uh, I, that thing from the uh, last movie, I've got it here. And uh, he's like, all right, bring it to my, my house at nine tonight. And I'm like, great, you're going <laughs> to, that's how you ask for it, dude? Fine, Okay. Um, she comes over and uh, he basically asks her to be his mole. Uh, he's not going to be able to get access to the things he needs. And she's like, why would I even do that for you? And he shows her the video of M saying, I need you to do this. No reasons. She just says, I need you to do it. It's important. Um, <laughs> and uh, M asks him to go to a funeral for the guy that he just killed. Uh, she has to go to uh, Rome, uh, where the funeral's at. And that's where the movie's going to they say is going to start, but it doesn't. Oh, no. Not not by a long shot. The movie doesn't um, start until an hour and a half in, by the way. So kind of like John Wick 2? And yeah. in Rome? <laughs> and in Italy? No, no, no. It doesn't start till we are on a train in Tangier. I don't even know where we're at. We go to like <laughs> nine fucking countries in this movie. For no Six of them we don't even need to go to. Yeah, uh, actually, um, 
every action sequence, everything that happens in the snow in this movie is basically just removed from my memory. Only I, the only person who moves the plot it. along is Dave Batista. If Dave Batista is in the scene, the plot is moving a, a little bit, or at least there's something fun happening. I'm picturing Batista like showing up on the set unannounced on like days when he wasn't supposed to be there, and he's like, "Fuck, it, we're doing this." <laughs> it's like, why? It's like you guys are dragging your feet. You this this plot is feet. going nowhere. <laughs> I've got like three other movies to do. Like we have to get this going. I am a busy fucking guy. <laughs> I don't have much to do in this movie, but God damn it, I'm going to see it completed. I've got to do Blade Runner. I've got to do the second Guardians of the Galaxy. I think I'm in an Avengers movie. i got I got things to do. <laughs> Dude, I didn't uh, realize he's Greek and Filipino. Yeah. Yeah, the Filipino thing I knew. I didn't know. I didn't confirm the Greek until just now. His father. I think his father's Greek or his mom is Greek, one or the other. But yeah, no, I was I, like... I can see it. I can see it. Can you? Because when I bit. think when I think Filipino, I don't think Dave Batista. <laughs> you, you, generally, you don't think of people his size. Exactly, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm like, that. <laughs> but yeah, I knew about that one. I think my brother told me that. Um, uh, sorry, but I yeah, it needs to be said. Uh, Naomi Harris uh, is playing Money Penny, uh, Ms. Money Penny, Money Partner. Um, classic character from dating back to like the beginnings of the franchise. Uh, she was introduced in Skyfall, and she she was revealed like at the end of that movie, essentially as Money Penny. Um, so what you're seeing in the early goings in this Spectre movie is uh, something that is a drastic change from the James Bond formula, and I like to call it the Scooby Squad. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's Mission Impossible. It, it's they're just they're ripping off Mission Impossible. It's Mission Impossible, but more than that, I think it's... See, James Bond, I, I think I've said this before on the show, James Bond and Godzilla parallel each other very strongly. Where Godzilla is the James Bond of Japan. Where Godzilla the thing has about, about the char- 10 more movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not quite that many, but, but he does have a few years on James Bond. No, he's got. there's 35 Godzilla movies, there's 26 James Bond. Uh, are you counting the American ones then? Uh-huh totality okay. gotcha i know you <laughs> um, oh that's that's what we should have mentioned at the top here that's kind of what we're doing this uh month for the most recent movie in a franchise is uh mm-hmm. we're co- gonna cover the latest godzilla movie which i believe you saw last night i did yeah. uh, so i'm looking forward to talking about that with you yeah i don't but know if that's the, good or bad but we'll get to that <laughs> we'll get to that um so the point i'm trying to make here is that uh Godzilla and James Bond have this long history of being very trendy, of kind of chasing, like, they're characters that have existed for so long to the point that their their core identifiers are variable. Like, they can change to meet the needs of the times. So, like, in the 80s, James Bond was struggling because Arnold Schwarzenegger and, Mark, you know, Martin Riggs and John McClane, that's those who were the Hollywood superstars at the time, like the everyman or the superhero. And James Bond is not that, but he was trying to be that to the point that they were hiring the same composer that worked on Die Hard and Lethal Weapon. And ton, like one of the, one of the Johnsons is in, is in a James Bond movie. Actually, no, both Johnsons are in, I think the same James Bond movie. Like is it Special Agent um, Johnson or the other one? Yeah, I think it was licensed to kill. I think they're both in it, but one's a good guy and one's a bad guy. 
I um, wonder who's good and I wonder yeah, who's Yeah, I wonder who has the complexion to be the bad guy. <laughs> A-slick? <laughs> this thing's fucking Saigon! <laughs> I was in junior high, dickhead! <laughs> he was one of my favorite characters from that movie, was that was the great. Special Agent Johnson. No, they, they had a great rapport. But He's good. The, the, thing, the thing with Spectre is that I feel like the Scooby Squad, the Mission Impossible thing, is like backlash from uh so many years steeped in the marvel universe mm. with those movies having cleaned up for so many years it's like you know what would make james bond better if we make him look less impressive by surrounding him by a team <laughs> a team is better i that's why i like the mission impossible movies like they're just way more fun because you have that you have you have Ethan, and then you've got the nerd, and then you've usually got a wild card of some kind. Is it is it Ving then Rhames? Have, then you have Ving Rhames, who doesn't walk anymore. He mostly just sits. He's doing the Steven Seagal thing, where he's a stationary like... nerd. Yeah, you have, you have Simon Pegg, who's the mobile nerd, and then yeah. Ving Rhames, who's the stationary nerd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one told him that that's what his character was going to be like. How do we break it to him that he's a nerd? We don't tell him that he's a nerd. <laughs> Just you just sit him down on the set, give him a, a really fancy laptop, and say, "Okay, Bing, get to know this laptop really well. Actually, You're going to be hanging like out with it all day." He would have been okay with it because he's definitely played uh, scary, scary roles, and he does that well. But he's also, I mean, he played a gay man mm-hmm. in that awful Chuck and Larry movie. Uh, I'm trying to think of if he's ever played, but I think if they were just like, "We need you to be a nerd," like that would be, I would kind of like to see that. Well, he's not he's not just a nerd, he's a hacker. He's a cool hacker with a soul patch. <laughs> In that first one anyway. And a trilby or some kind of uh some kind of dumb hat. Alright, so we should probably get back to the plot. Uh, yeah, well there's not much of a plot here. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the so, power struggle Naomi Harris, uh so they're tracking stuff. Uh he has to go see Q, uh Cloud Atlas. He uh <laughs> I don't know his name. I just know him as Cloud Atlas. Um the it's main Ben Wishaw, by the way. Cloud Atlas is uh Q. <laughs> and uh we don't get the fun one of my one of my favorite things is like when he talks to Q about like the different things. And instead in this case, Q uh, injects a tracking device into him and nano tracking device into his bloodstream that can't be taken out so we can know you're at at all times we can monitor your heart rate and everything because james bond is supposed to be he's supposed to be tethered like he's not supposed to be leaving the office basically um Mm. but he he basically tells or tells q he's like hey listen i need you to do stuff for me he's like well i don't want to do that and he's like i'll kill your fucking cats and he's like okay i'll do it that's basically what he says. He's like, I'll hurt your cats. Um, and he's like, got him in the bag. And he basically tells him, you've got about 48 hours before I shut it down. You have 48 hours to get stuff done. So uh, James Bond takes a car and drives to Rome. I don't know how long that takes, but he definitely did it within the you know the 48-hour window. <laughs> and he goes, yeah. this, he goes to this funeral. And yeah. I can keep going if you'd like, because that's really what what's happening. Uh, yeah, it's funny because you make it sound like a briskly paced movie. It's really oh no, not. that was twenty fucking minutes. What I just went through. <laughs> yeah, I'm not no, kidding. Like he's like you told the audience. I actually have the movie playing right now, and you know while we've been talking, uh, I think he's just now driving to Rome. Yeah, 
So they he's not even, even there yet. <laughs> they don't even show him driving to Rome. Like, I kind of want to see that drive. I want to see him taking the ferry over, if there's a ferry that even does that. I don't know if you can get from the UK. Is there a ferry that goes from the UK to the other part of Europe? I don't know how that shit works. Fuck, I don't know. That's, I mean, yeah. that's around the whole country, so that would be a long ride. Uh, he gets the car there. He goes to this funeral. Um, Monica, I can't think of her name. She's from The Matrix and Kilby. Bellucci, uh, lovely, uh, very lovely. Um, she's about yeah, fifty. She, she wanted to get naked for this movie so Dude, bad. Dude, wait, <laughs> just wait for it, okay? I'm, I'm, <laughs> so he goes to this funeral, and yeah. um, he just kind of hangs out in the back, and then everybody kind of leaves. I think they make eye contact, or maybe they exchange words. I really don't know. Um, <laughs> but this dude, uh, there's only like everybody leaves, and James Bond. Okay, I'm sorry. This is the widow of the guy he killed in the beginning. The guy in the helicopter. Yes. yes. Um, James Bond just has an exchange, maybe. And then there's just one dude that's left, and they just kind of look at each other, and James Bond kind of waves to him. Um, and then she goes back to her mansion house, and she has this this odd walk. She just kind of walks into the house and walks out the back. And as she's walking, there's dudes in the house just kind of following her. And... She pours herself a glass of whiskey, and she's walking outside, and you can see more guy, uh, like two guys are following her out. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to get the the, the hint here that uh, they're going to kill her, and she knows that they're there to kill her. Um, and just as they're about to shoot her, um, they get shot in the head, and we get a very, very blurry person in the back, and... 20 fucking minutes later, he comes into frame and like, oh, I wonder who that was. Oh, it was James Bond. He shot yeah. them in the back of the head. And they have a discussion. She's like, I'm dead. I'm so dead. It doesn't matter. And he's like, she's like you're dead too. He's like, no, no, no. I'm going to keep us both alive or something stupid. Yeah. And so, then, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I can't I see, so it's harder. <laughs> Monica Bellucci, like her inclusion in this movie felt like, I don't no know. No reason. Yeah, it's it's lazy shorthand because Monica Bellucci is a very sexy lady. And she's she's like Ava Green. She's all about getting naked every chance she gets. She's French. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it, I'm sure she got naked on the set and like the director was like, whoa! <laughs> it's like, did, we didn't well, ask didn't you ask to do you. that. <laughs> we did not ask you to do that, but uh, okay. PG-13. Um... Yeah. Was was Ava Green a Bond girl? Uh, in Casino Royale. Okay, thank God. Okay. I was like, she um, is perfect for it. Yeah, uh, she's one of the better ones because she's actually dimensioned. Like, she's actually a character, which is she's, part of what makes Casino Royale so good. I'm to watch. I might watch that tonight. You, you need to, because, like, Bond fan or not, it's just a very well put together movie. I really like those uh, first it, couple of uh, Pierce Brosnan. Uh, those the Goldeneye's awesome. That's an awesome '90s movie. It's just all around. No, Goldeneye, Goldeneye is is very very good. Go, Goldeneye, I like to call like just childhood. Like him Goldeneye. and Sean, him and Sean Bean just beating the shit out of each other at the end. I'm I'm talking like they look like they're drop kicking each other. They're hitting each other <laughs> so hard, and they're just bam, boom. No, like, they they both committed themselves very well. I like. They took some hard bumps in there that you can't really fake. And it, what makes that scene especially gripping is that they're both supposed to be secret agents. Yeah. They're, bo- they're both supposed to be like on equal footing when it comes to their physical prowess. And The secret agents in these movies are just good at sitting and talking. 
Yeah, that, I've always hated that about James Bond movies, is that uh, a lot of the traditional villains in them tend to be kind of feeble. Uh, it's it's a tradition where there's always like a right-hand man, in this case Batista, who's there for the physical element. Yeah. But then the villain is usually just a mastermind of some sort. But personally, <sighs> I, I like when the villain gets punched like it's just something i need in my movies and i was actually really looking forward to javier bardem getting punched but it that. never happened i was you like damn it. To his <laughs> too much oh. uh, he uh so yeah they so we get two 50 year olds making out i mean like it's fine oh. if you're gonna have two 50 year olds making out but like it is gra like it's gross i don't he's copping some feels yeah, he's he's copping some feels, but he's throwing I style on her. Like he's yeah, it's <laughs> it's gross. I think a big reason why they tried to write her character in here is, uh, again, this is a new thing for the Bond franchise. Is from Casino Royale to Spectre, what we're trying to do with this movie, and if you ask me, they fail miserably. Is is tie everything together in such a way that we started it with no destination in mind. But now we're trying to retcon things. We're trying to retroactively rewrite the story so that we can pretend that, oh yeah, that was the plan all along. Like all of this, it ties together. So she's there to remind the character of James Bond and us, the audience, of some some stuff from his past, uh, some well, previous they... female relationships that he had, and she's he also has she's to, grieving he has to bang somebody. Yeah, well, I mean, that is, actually is part of it with his character, is that he has trauma, and that's why he can't relate to people anymore, at least ladies. It's like, he can sleep with them just fine. He oh, can yeah. get drunk oh, and sleep with them. Yeah, he can pickle his liver and sleep with ladies, but he can't, like, hold on to them the way he used to. And having having this grieving widow, like, hang out with him for a bit and, you know, presumably hop into bed together... It's supposed. That's what she's talking about when she's saying we're both dead. Is that we're we both experienced loss, and this is the best we can do. Is fuck. <laughs> well, they keep hinting through dialogue that this is the movie where James Bond is gonna die. Like it's almost like and he's I was kind of. To- I was almost wanting it to be honest. Like I, I would love to see that happen someday. I'm sure Daniel Craig wants to, his character to die. This is a fucking fifth <laughs> one. God damn it. <laughs> there is. It's in production currently. I believe it. it. I mean, it's going to take four years for them to do all the on-location shots. Uh, well, you you might be you might be excited because I think the True Detective director is the guy assigned ooh. to do it. Yeah. Oh, which season? Um, let's see here. Uh, and I'm happy because so yeah, he's he's Hoppa. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so 007's gone real McNulty, loose cannon, playing by his own rules, uh, and <laughs> so we get to. We, he's got to go do some shit. So he goes to a, uh, a mansion. Um, I don't really know why. He just goes to this mansion. And it looks like the meeting that uh, everyone in Eyes Wide, the Eyes Wide Shut orgy had right before they put oh, on their masks. Yeah. And, or, or like yeah. everybody after this meeting is going to go to an Eyes Wide Shut orgy. Uh, I had a moment here of uh, stupid. Uh, he gets he gets up, pulls up. There's a bunch of cars, and he gets out of the passenger side. And I go, why the fuck is he getting out of the passenger side? <laughs> 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 oh man, it was a real dumb moment. I'm like, you idiot! They're in Europe. Uh, 
Idiot. <laughs> do, you think, do you think that, like, for them to have exotic, like, you know, if you see somebody in America get out of the passenger side, like, oh, you've got a, uh, the steering wheel's on the right. Do you think they do that in the UK? Like, they get out of the, the left side and like, ooh, that's a fancy car. <laughs> that's a fancy American make. Is that a Ford? That looks like a Ford. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> ooh, that's a that Dodge. Ooh, ooh. Um, so we get to he just he goes in he goes, he's got, he goes to fucking Wayne Manor <laughs> it's bigger than Wayne Manor is a trailer park compared to this place this place is a palace uh, okay. he's got he's got his ring on and he walks in and they're like who the fuck are you and he's like look at the ring bitch and they're like so sorry Kiss I didn't mean anything ring, by it um, yeah <laughs> uh, so he he just he just waltzes right in and he he comes to a balcony and there's some people standing around the balcony and down on the on the main floor the first floor is this enormous table which i can only assume is one piece because they spared no expense and uh <laughs> there's people are all around the table and then there's one seat missing and there's some people jabbering about stuff and nonsense and uh, in walks this person who we don't see. It's Christoph Waltz. It's the silhouette of Christoph <laughs> Waltz, but we don't know who it could possibly be. No, it, I had no idea when I was in the theater. This is the long. This takes so long. He he comes in. Everybody stands up, and then he waits a minute. He walks over mm-hmm. to his chair, sits down. They're all still standing. 30 seconds pass. Honest to God, you could probably time it when it comes up, Trevor. 30 seconds pass, and he's just like, mm-hmm. he has somebody say, sit down. He doesn't talk in this scene. He, do, he can't see his face. No one at the table can see his face, but they know who he is. Well, the, the guy down at the end of the table is like, uh, basically replacing the guy that was killed in the helicopter crash. And he's like, I'm going to be taking over. We're not going to be weak. We're going to just be awesome. Synergy. All that shit. And, um, KPIs. And then the guy, Christoph Waltz, the shadow, uh, turns his head and his little minion comes up next to him. And he's like, does anybody have, uh, have a problem with this? And in walks Batista. And my note says, I had no idea he was in this movie. And I said, oh. and Dave Batista. Now I know why Trover chose this. <laughs> I'm like, Batista. I mean, his, his contribution to the movie is unfortunately very small. Um, my biggest objection to his role is that he is mute in this film for the most part. He says c- one word. <laughs> well, I think and- we were afraid. They were afraid because he does such a good job with Drax. He is the comic, like he's the comic relief in those Guardians of the Galaxy movie. He's great. I love his yeah. character. But you would think you would just assume that he can't talk. And I don't think Blade Runner twenty forty nine had come out, and we didn't know that. Oh, he can actually. He can do talking. Like, he can actually do a performance. And he's really good in that beginning part of 2049. And I think that was wrong for them to assume that. I think that he could have dialogue in this movie. Well, I mean, this mo- Spectre came out in 2015. Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy came out in 2014. So it's safe to assume they were probably filming at the same time. So, yeah, you're right. It was probably not proven that he was a good dialogue presence in films. Yeah. The, guy's a, the guy was a fucking professional wrestler. <laughs> well, that's Spoke that's why I would be scared. Tens of thousands of people. <laughs> exactly. Um, I wouldn't put Vince Mc, Vince McMahon in a movie. Are you out of your mind? Like, like Vince McMahon. I would put him in every movie. <laughs> okay, yeah. Vince McMahon is one of the greatest wrestling actors. He might be the best wrestling actor because no, Vince McMahon is is precious. But he is great. <laughs> it needs to be said, uh, Christoph Waltz. Um, what I remember of his entrance into this film is, you're right. From his silhouette. 
even if you're only casually familiar with him as an actor, you know it's him. It's his ears and hair. What's funny is he looks like a child. Yeah, he does. <laughs> like, I didn't notice that. He looks, he looks so, so small. <laughs> he looks so tiny, and it doesn't help that like the people next to him are kind of big. So <laughs> he looks like he looks like that stereotypical image of like I don't know, like a rich aristocratic young boy or something dressed. He in looks a suit like Martin. That... He looks like Martin Short as Clifford. <laughs> That's basically. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Actually, very much Martin Short. But yeah, Batista shows up, and like I said, I was very disappointed that he was not allowed to speak. Uh, especially since by this time, presumably before the start filming, we we had the Dark Knight Rises, uh, which ha- which pulled the very difficult trick of having a well spoken and erudite villain who also happens to be gigantic and fucking a, beefcake, a yeah. physical a physical presence on top of being you know verbose and intelligent. Yeah. Um, and I think it would have been really interesting to have that, like a Bond henchman who traditionally odd job, Jaws. These are characters who don't speak, but they're a, they're a you know a core of the James Bond universe. It's something you have the big ugly henchman. But imagine that character, but he's like intelligent and has a lot to say. And imagine that character walking into the room and you expect him to be mute, and then all of a sudden he starts like spouting off like Shakespearean fucking dialogue, and you're like, what? And then he fucking smashes your head in. <laughs> how, much, how much cooler would it have been if Bane, like, you remember when they bring Gordon down in the sewer, and he's like, why are you here? It would have been cool if, like, if he was in the middle of his workout, but he was just strict pressing, uh, just doing an overhead press at, like, 225, and just, like, boom, drops it. <laughs> or he's doing, like, a CrossFit wad, he's doing butterfly pull-ups and shit. <laughs> oh, man. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to snap your fucking neck. You interrupted my wad. Um, I, so, while, while we're on the subject, I don't want to get away from this because I was actually thinking about this in the car because I was talking to myself in Bane's voice in my car the other day because I do that. Um, <laughs> uh, I do. I always a lot. hate. I always. It's so fun. I always hated that he he killed that one one of his henchmen with a handgun. I was like, no, you got to do that guy with your hands. Like, why would you? Bane with a pistol just looks wrong. I'm sorry. He should have done. He should have done a fucking hand revenant. Like he should have just ripped his balls off and let him bleed out in front of everybody. Nolan's classier than that. No, uh, I mean but... he did the other guy with his bare hand. He he strangled him with one hand. That was awesome. By the way, if you, seen, at him? if you haven't seen Dunkirk, get off your ass. That's that's a that's a great one. Um, I know. I, I need to see it. So, now, so Kyle, tell me, what does Dave Batista do? When he walks into this gigantic uh, boardroom. Well, I've mentioned that one of my favorite episodes of Game of Thrones, and probably the hardest death I had to deal with, uh, top three at least, was the Mountain versus the Viper. Uh, I sent you the link, because I've mentioned it a few times, probably on this podcast. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I sent you the link over to take a look at Did you happen to watch that? I did. I thoroughly so, enjoyed it, but I'm curious why you were so upset about it. So during this scene, uh, it's a trial by combat, uh, Tyrion is being accused of killing his nephew, and his uh, sister Cersei has chosen the Mountain, uh, played by that giant body. Uh, I can't Pop think of his Thor name. Bjornsson. That guy. Uh, <laughs> he has to fight. Uh, I, I can't remember the guy's name, and it pisses me off. I get him confused with the guy from Rogue One. Uh, I can't remember. I'm, I apologize, but uh, Tyrion chooses him. And he wants to, and, and the guy, the Viper, wants to, um, he wants to fight him. And I love this character. He was a great character in the show. 
But uh, he ends up fighting the mountain, and he's doing a great job. He's doing great, and then he, he goes a little bit overboard, and he ends up getting uh, knocked out by his teeth getting punched out. And the mountain sticks his thumbs in his eyeballs and, cr- spoiler alert, crushes his head. The series is over. If you haven't watched it, you're probably not going to. And crushes his head. Um, and it was probably the worst death I've seen on that show. Because it was just brutal and there was so much weighing on it. That aired, This was that was filmed and aired before this movie. So what Batista does is he just strolls up, says nothing, looks at the dude. The dude just stands up. And just lets him kill him. Batista just kills this dude. But he just kills him. Oh, I'm sorry. He he smashes his thumbs into his eyes. The guy doesn't even struggle. Like he's not. He's just like accepting his fate. He doesn't run. He doesn't back away. <laughs> he smashes his eyeballs in with his little stupid thumb. He's got like that thumb, was stupid. Why thumbnail. Does he have- he doesn't yeah. need that. Why does uh, he have metallic thumbnails? He has metallic thumbnails, and then he snaps the dude's neck real quick. And then, does he sit down? It just That's it. He yeah, just, he takes his chair at the head of the table. Yeah, so that was really stupid. I'm like, okay, guys, nice, just copying Game of Thrones there. So, uh, <laughs> Except the mountain actually smashes the dude's head in, which was yeah, awesome. Yeah, that was tasty. Oh, it was great. It, it really was pr- the hardest I've taken an episode, besides Jon Snow being killed. Um, the... The point of this is, is that Batista is taking over for. That's weird because this this was the guy in Mexico. This was the uh, the Hispanic uh, representation or the Latino representation of the many countries that are involved in this mega organization of terrorism. Is that what it is? Yeah. Um, so the way James Bond got to this meeting was uh, Monica Bellucci told him about it. Mm. I don't think she okay. named the organization yet, but she said. My husband was part of a vast terrorist organization. It's worldwide. Uh, and if you go to this meeting and flash this ring, you can see what it's all about. Uh, I'm pretty sure she like tells him, yeah, by the way, you're probably going to die. Uh, but you're already dead inside, like me. And so it doesn't matter. But the, over the course of the meeting, if I remember right, they, they make reference to the Pale King, uh, which I guess yeah. is the purpose of the meeting. They're They're... One of their own is apparently on their shit list, and they're trying to eliminate him and determine how to go about it. Uh, and they do determine that, yeah, we're going to go kill the Pale King, uh, who is a character who was in all of the Daniel Craig movies up to this point. Um, um, yeah, and then Christoph Waltz speaks at the meeting, and everybody's, like, shocked. Like, oh, my God, he's talking at the meeting. And Christoph and- Waltz says... Uh, James, it's so nice to see you. And James Bond's still looking down like, who's this James fella? Uh, <laughs> Christoph Waltz just looks right up at him, and he's like, I'm glad you could join us. And uh, he immediately runs off. He, I think he punches a couple guys on the way out. And yeah, somebody right, takes a, a spill off the balcony. It's kind of fun. <laughs> so this, this scene was driving me nuts last night. We had a really bad thunderstorm, and my Wi-Fi kept cutting out. So I've seen this chase scene like five times because it oh, kept starting no. over. It just kept starting over and over. I'm like, God damn it. You so know, there's a despite, car chase. Yeah. Despite like how much I love the James Bond movies, uh, this car chase is not very good. It's not great. And I remember when I saw this in the theater um, – I mean, the, the gimmick behind this chase sequence is kind of like Die Another Day, where it's it's a James Bond supercar with gadgets versus yeah. another James Bond supercar with gadgets. But we don't um, know what the gadgets are. 
yeah, we we aren't aware of it up front because, like you said, Q didn't run us through it. Yeah, uh, that I, was always the, the fun. fun. Yeah, that's always the fun of getting to meet Q is that he he lets us know what we need to be anticipating for later in the movie. It's like, by the way, you have this pen that's also a grenade. When's he going to use it? And then it happens, and you're like, yeah, that thing that they planted early on in the movie paid off. This one, though, it's like, I didn't know what, what his car could do until he just did it. Yeah. But my major objection to this car chase, actually, like, I had a tinfoil hat moment where I was thinking, I don't know what the regulations are in Rome, a very, very, very old city, but I don't imagine they let you do much property damage. No, um, I actually... I. I'd say property damage. They'll they're gonna hang you like Mussolini. So yeah. So like this car chase is very like carefully choreographed to the point that it, like it doesn't feel urgent. Like it, there's no tension to it because we're not driving all that recklessly. We only like, have one car chasing him. Oh, he's got to lose one fucking car. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it just feels like kind of half cocked. Where it, it's, the chase sequence in Venom is better. <laughs> I, I'm. Sadly, not going to fight you on that. <laughs> That's saying a lot. That that bike chase in Venom was probably more exciting than this. Um, I remember being very bored in the theater when I watched this, and the person I saw it with is a car person, and they were also very bored, which is unfortunate. But yeah, maybe Dave Bautista's James... in the other car, by the way. James, maybe that's why James Bond doesn't get to me because I'm I'm not too big on action movies i don't give a shit about cars and cars are a huge deal in all these movies like it's it's it guns and cars those are two things that you're gonna go for james bond i don't really care about guns either but this car i actually read up on this car uh, i think i can't remember what kind of car it is but uh it's not an actual car that they're they were gonna make for mass production there was only 10 made and it was made one this one was made specifically for this movie uh, so it's not even a good car commercial. Like we're not even selling Mercedes. It's just a car it that they a made for ja- the- Jaguar. 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 <laughs> um, and, an, yeah. and an Aston Martin DB10. Uh, uh, we had a we get a cartoon escape here. James Bond. Uh, he uses a flamethrower on Batista's car. Batista, by the way, is the one chasing him. Mm. Um, he's chasing him. He does some flames on him, and then does something else, and then he. Sh- it just ejects himself out, and apparently Batista didn't see that. Uh, yeah. He just ejects himself out, and the car crashes, and Batista just gets out, stares at it, and then walks away. <laughs> and James Bond parachutes to safety. Um, I want to cut over to the next scene, which was is a meeting that was an absolute waste of time. Uh, <laughs> Ray finds... Uh, his nerd and this wormy guy, uh, Ray Fiennes nerd is there, uh, and this wormy guy is doing this speech about we need cameras everywhere, we have to keep control of everybody, and we all need to vote for it, and then one country doesn't vote for it, the nerd shows Ray Fiennes, like, look at this car, where's Bond? Is Bond here? Is he? He should be in the UK. But the, the scene is stupid, because there's like, they were voting on something and it didn't get past the 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 wormy guy didn't get what he wanted in this scene but now ray finds is like i need to find out if bond is here and he contacts m or q sorry q (laughs) yeah i I mean that's actually part of my objection to the the scooby squad format of uh of the bond movie is i personally i just like i just like hanging out with james bond like I, i don't need his handlers to be with him all the time like, in fact, that's another objection I had to the car chase, is that uh, 
my memory of it had a lot of really important plot exposition delivered while they're driving. Like I, I, I'm supposed to be enjoying the action here. I'm not supposed to be absorbing important plot details at the same time. Basically, he has a fucking phone call from his car with Money Penny. Like they, they're talking about what went down at the meeting, and it's where he's starting to piece together what's going on because she explains to him that like, oh, the Pale King is this person, Mister White, who is this prick that has been in the franchise since Casino Royale and has appeared in most of if not all of the subsequent films so if you're familiar with that you're like oh mr white uh and then she also identifies the organization as being affiliated with quantum which was introduced in quantum of solace uh so we're starting to piece things together i guess but it all it all gets delivered to us during a fucking car chase so it's like very easy to miss very and it's, i, I do not catch i only know that. all this because i've seen the movie several times I watched this scene several times and I didn't even catch that. So, uh, <laughs> damn. <laughs> yeah, I was honestly, I was like, just it was just getting frustrating. I'm like, okay, okay, I keep seeing this, so I wasn't really paying attention. Um, so yeah, the meeting was kind of a waste of time. Uh, Q lies for uh, lies for um, James Bond, and then we just cut to Austria. Yeah, so Bond is now on the hunt for Mister White. Yeah. Uh, because he suspects that he, there's information to be gained from meeting him before before the quantum affiliate assassins get to him. Um, and this was a... It needs to be said, this is mostly a handsome movie. Oh, like it's very shots, nice to look at. Yeah, yeah. yeah a this lot shot of the shots was really are good. gorgeous. Yeah. No, a lot of the shots in this movie are very gorgeous. And uh, Mountains, we got a beautiful lake, and there's a cabin he's headed to. It's very nice. Oh yeah, no, it, it's a very handsome movie, but this dialogue exchange between Mr. White and James Bond is supposed to carry a lot of weight because, like I said, these are two characters who have encountered each other in the past. Um, I'm sure it meant no, close to nothing to you to, <laughs> to see the two of them sitting opposite each other. Absolutely, but it's yeah. the build up to this, like the scene of them getting together, is kind of interesting. Like it has yeah. almost like a spooky feel to it. It does, and I actually really like that. Um, and they, it's kind of misleading because the some some crows fly away. Like the wind, he goes into this cabin. Uh, the door's already open. He's got his gun ready. The windows are open inside. Some crows give you a nice little jump scare. I'm like, uh, crows are probably picking at somebody's corpse. Um, <laughs> they're, they're not. And uh, he ends up finding. He he goes through here. It looks like the place is abandoned. It definitely looks like somebody's been there for a while, but it's also abandoned now. Um, and then he sees a little light on the floor, and uh, downstairs, surrounded by buckets of piss, is Mr. White. I'm sorry, surrounded by buckets of piss and monitors is uh, Mr. White. And also, uh, Daniel Craig looks up. It's really weird. He looks up, and there's a camera in the house, and it's on. And he just looks at it, and he keeps moving. Yeah, uh, that, yeah. That, that camera was one of the dumber things that actually enters into the plot at some point. <laughs> I know what they were trying to telegraph when Batista sees it, but mm-hmm. it's fine. Uh, yeah, he has this exchange with the guy, and uh, the guy's like, "Oh, uh, f- like fuck you," and he's like, "I need to, I need to get to um, Lamerican, Lamerican, or something like that." Yeah. Um, he's like, "All right, you have to find my daughter. She'll tell you." He's like, "Well, I need to find your daughter." He's like, "Well, I don't want you to find my daughter. Well, like, I need to find your daughter so I can find." It. He's like, "Okay, fine." 
<laughs> how do I know that you're not going to kill me? And, or how do you? How do I know that you're not going to betray me? So James Bond slides his gun over. What I assume, like, yeah, you can kill yourself. I'm not going to kill you. He's like, mm-hmm. how am I supposed to trust you? You're an assassin. He's like, here, kill yourself. And and the guy holds the gun to James Bond. I'm like, is he going to shoot him? Like, or, like, did he just <laughs> hand him the gun so he can get shot? <laughs> that was a dumb move. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that was a real stupid move. But then the guy just shoots himself. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then... Th- I don't know what she does. I don't know if I just didn't catch it in the dialogue, but <laughs> this is the weirdest fucking thing I've ever seen. Mm. He He's taking a gondola to, or he's taking a plane. Maybe that's what it is. He's on a plane to a mountaintop facility that you can ski at, but you could also get therapy? Well, I don't understand this at all. This might be a thing in, like, Scandinavian countries or something, because this is actually not the first time they've done this in a James Bond movie. Um, Never Say Never Again had a funny scene where Sean Connery was contractually obligated to do that movie. Um, He was up there in years when it got made. That's an unofficial Uh, Bond movie. It is. Uh, Like I said, contractually obligated. Um, it did not belong to the same studio. Just one of the producers of Thunderball retained the rights to it and uh, retained the film rights to the point that uh, he was allowed to make another adaptation of it. So he did. Uh, it's called Never Say Never Again. But uh, a big chunk of the plot is uh, they tell James Bond, hey, you're old and fat. You need to go to rehab. <laughs> so they send him to like, a, like a, a mountain resort where he's supposed to like what get colonics and do workouts or something yeah. but um yeah this this facility is gorgeous but um the reason he's there is because mr white has a daughter uh dr madeline swan i don't know what kind of doctor she is uh but he tells he's basically pleading with james bond like hey i know i was a dick to you and i kind of fucked you over many times over the years but can you protect my daughter um so James Bond's like, yeah, yeah, I, I can do that. Uh, is she hot? <laughs> yeah, no shit. And, uh, <laughs> but the 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 main goal at this point is to locate a character by the name of Oberhauser. Oberhauser, uh, who is, of course, Christoph Waltz. So now James Bond's like, I just learned about this organization. Uh, now I want to smash it all on my own. Uh, so yeah, he heads off to meet up with this gal madeline swan and this resort is very fancifully designed like yeah it's be said it's like it's it's very pretty like it looks like i don't want to touch anything there <laughs> like it looks yeah, like i'd break something or i'd like get fingerprints on everything because it's very very white everything's white it, <laughs> it looks like the, the bar when he goes to the bar it looks like the bar in inception when uh leo's talking to uh cillian murphy <laughs> that when he was standing at the bar, I'm like, that looks like Inception. Weird. Um, and I bet they're all staring at him like Inception. But uh, yeah, he goes up there. He he talks to her. He has his cute little like. He's like she's like, uh, how often do you? Dr- how much do you drink? He's like too much. And uh, <laughs> he's basically trying to. He's he's like, I'm gonna protect her, but he's like, but I am not gonna take sex off the table with this lady, uh, which I don't think you're supposed to do. I don't think you're supposed to bang who you're supposed to protect. Just saying. Uh, basically, she he find he tells her like, listen, you're in trouble, and I'm gonna help you. And she says, fuck off, because he says, uh, Lamer, I need you to tell me about Lamer can. And she's like, fuck off. She's like, security's gonna rough you up on the way out. Um, 
he goes down to the bar. He's like, I've got 10 minutes before security's going to come. He orders a drink, and they're like, we don't have alcohol here. And then <laughs> fucking M just, or sorry, Q just shows up because he was tracking him. He saw he was in Austria. Just shows up to the resort and uh, tells mm-hmm. him that, like, listen, you're in trouble. You have to come back now. Otherwise, me and Money Penny are fucked. And he's like, uh, maybe. Won't you check out this ring for me? See what's on there, DNA-wise. Uh, I got some, got some questions. Um, he also gives him, uh, the name of Christoph Waltz. He's like, I know exactly who it was. Don't tell me that he's dead. I think they were doing some, uh, research on him before. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's the guy that I saw. I know who it is for sure. And they're like, that dude died in an avalanche, like, like 20 years ago. Like, he's mm-hmm. not alive. And he's like, he is. And he gives him the ring, uh, Q takes off, and now security are going to rough up James Bond if he doesn't leave. Um, as he's leaving, uh, some fellas are taking the doctor. Uh, what's this French actress's name? I've, I uh, find her very attractive. Uh, I, I'm not good with French pronunciation. Leia Sedou. Leia Sedou. Ac- yeah. Sedoux. Sedoux. <laughs> there's a, there's, there's a yeah, Sedoux. I'm guessing it's Sedoux. Sedoux. Um, sorry for butchering that. I apologize. Very lovely. Um, she pops up in a lot of places. I think she's in a Mission Impossible. She's in a she's very Bastards. lovely, but she she's very lovely, but she has that like bitch face where it's like she looks like the phrase "piss off" would come very naturally to her. <laughs> if she had an American accent, she probably wouldn't be as pretty. Is all I'm saying. Very, <laughs> very she, true. Very true. Uh, yeah. If you throw if you, th- you throw an American accent on her, like eh, it's not as sexy. But uh, this was probably my favorite part of the whole movie. Uh, really? Where yeah, this this part. Uh, James Bond. Uh, he's about to be taken by security. He realizes he can't be, so he just fucking punches this one dude in the jejunum. It looks like, and then knocks the other one down. And then the one dude, the one dude goes to get up, and he says, uh, "No, stay." And the dude stays. It was really good. It was such a good delivery, and it's not really characteristic of him either, because James Bond doesn't get loud. Like he, he just beats ass quietly. He doesn't threaten usually. And uh, it was kind of nice. He just barks at him. No, stay. And uh, he's like, I do not have time for you. I will beat your ass up and down this place. I do not have time for this. Um, And, of course, it's Batista. Batista's men have got the doctor. And they've got her in a car. And they're driving down the mountain. Mm -hmm. And a fucking airplane shows up (laughs) out of nowhere. Out of like nowhere. a cart, like a cartoon, an airplane shows up out of nowhere. Yeah, and, and not only that, it's like coming straight at them. <laughs> yeah. Um, what did you? How did you feel about this airplane car chase? I said it a while ago uh, while we were recording that almost everything that happened in the snow in this movie just is expelled from my memory, yeah. uh, and that applies to this this action scene. Um, See, that's the thing about having an action franchise that's been around since 1962, is you're you're always looking not only to top yourself, but you're also looking for different angles to play. Uh, so, for instance, uh, Quantum of Solace. Uh, I told you via text the other day that it's it has some wonderfully choreographed action that you can tell was shot really well, but the editing is just absolute garbage. And yeah. it's such a shame because you can tell they put together some monster action scenes, and unfortunately, like 
one of the lesser action beats in that movie, which is not a great movie, by the way. I, I give it a little more credit than most people, but one of the lesser action beats in that movie is it's like a, a, an old-timey prop plane versus like a fucking jet, basically. And you can tell that it's just like, we're doing this because it's different. Yeah. Not because it lends itself to, you know, creating an interesting or good action scene, but just because it's something that hasn't been done before. And I get that vibe from from this snow airplane and SUV chase. It's it's a very awkwardly choreographed scene that doesn't have very much drama. A lot of it feels oddly detached where it's like you know, he's in the air and he's trying to get some people that are on the ground. Like there's just not much of a connection between these two parties. And oh by the way, his his plane doesn't have weapons of any kind. So what is what is his end game here? Well, the only sorry, move he can make is to crash into them. He, well, he, even if he did have weapons, he can't shoot at the car. He needs the girl in the car. He exactly. needs the lady. So, so it feels honestly, like something just, that was put it, together for novelty. That's about it. He could have just followed them. That That's the only thing you can do in an airplane is just follow them. But he doesn't. <laughs> uh, we get... Uh, so the wings come off somehow. Uh... Uh, more, more. Let's just we'll, we'll cut to the chase here. Um, <laughs> he manages to crash into them, and Batista gets thrown through the car windshield. Which, when I saw, I'm like, that wasn't even an Ambien. Like he is gonna shake that off in two minutes. Like uh, he should be dead, or at least paralyzed, <laughs> or like at least out for about four hours. With a concussion, which you shouldn't sleep if you have a concussion. Uh, but I'm like, just watching the movie, I'm like, that did nothing to him. And he, uh, James Bond grabs the girl. She's like, fuck off. I don't need your help. And he's like, you need my help. She's like, I don't need your help. And he's like, you need my help. And they're like, okay, fine. Well, okay, I guess well, I need your help. Honestly, that's what, that's what happens. I'm like, I know you're going to go with him. He knows that you're going to go with him. Just go with him. It's your best bet. Yeah. Um, and then Batista's little hand moves a little bit on the car. I'm like, oh, fuck me. Who could have seen that coming? Uh, at yeah, least have I, it, like, I felt, nighttime. <laughs> I felt that that was unnecessary. It's like, you know he's going to come back. You like, know he's going to come back. Yeah, you don't need to telegraph it. In fact, it would be better if he just shows up later and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, if enough time goes by, maybe you'll forget he's in the movie. and just be, Oh, shit. <laughs> but sure, no, they, they telegraph it. Uh, so she tells him he's like, I need you to, I need to find American. She's like, it's not, um, it's not a thing. She's like, it's a place. It's an actual yeah. place we have to go to. And then I, uh, I had, I let out an audible. Fuck me, another country. Now we're in Tangier. Like, ser- like, where are we at? Like, you've got the movie playing in the background. Where's the movie at? Like, we're in Tangier. I have a feeling that he's still talking to Q. <laughs> In yeah. in the like in the beginning, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean Tangier and spy movies go together like fucking peanut butter and chocolate. Um, see, this is this is where the plot starts to get like not only lazy but also irritating, which yes. is unfortunate. Um, I have a thing about uh, not only chosen one narratives, but I really, 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 really hate it when franchise films uh, dip into the trope of. Uh, your father is somehow tied into things. Uh, 
Amazing Spider-Man did it, where it's like Peter Parker's dad was this super amazing geneticist, and he, it was fate that he became Spider-Man. Jason Bourne did that too, where it's just like, oh shit, his father was wrongfully killed, and now he needs to get revenge. Whereas, you know, the one movie before, it's like you had this amazing plot revelation where it's like, no, Jason Bourne actually got himself into the shit. So it's all this bad shit that happened is all his own doing, which is amazing. This, but then they, consider, they, they rolled it back. <laughs> considering this character and the history of this character, this, once we get to the, the uh, kind of the climax-ish of the mm-hmm. movie, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, honestly. This sequence, I don't know. This sequence, when they go to Le Marikang, is is fucking national treasure is <laughs> like national treasure level stupid dude <laughs> what is it with european people eating on the floor i don't get this i've seen this in movies where european people are eating cheese on the floor it's i don't get it cheese okay so they're in a, a, a they're in beautiful tangier uh in morocco and uh she's like having some wine and eating some cheese on the floor while he's walking around thinking about like he's tearing this place apart we don't see him tearing it apart but he's going through this entire hotel room this is apparently where her um father and mother came every year for their anniversary and uh he's just like something's got to be in here and he's just going through this place while she's having cheese on the floor um, oh, I know what the movie I'm thinking of where the dude's eating on the floor. And it's not a French dude. It's a French movie or an Italian movie. It's the one with Marlon Brando and the butter. When she comes into the uh, the apartment, he's eating butter and bread on the floor. Like Marlon Brando probably does. <laughs> probably did anyway. <laughs> that wasn't even part of the scene. Yeah, he was not. Like, he was no stranger like, to butter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So I'm I not going to mention the movie you're referencing. Uh, it's yeah. it, it's one of the yeah. I was about to say thing. we don't need yeah. to say anymore. We're not going to talk about that. Um, but yeah, so he finds a bottle of liquor and much like Archer, he just starts uh, guzzling it. He's like, oh, "It's your uh, it's your inheritance," and she's like, "I don't want any." He's like, "I'll drink it." Uh, and he's just like, "There's something that we're missing. Something. There's something here that we need to find." And she says, "I'm not yeah. going to fuck you. Don't touch me. And I'm going to sleep." Yeah, um, this this sequence, this big reveal where they find the, the hidden chamber or whatever felt very Temple of Doom. Uh, <laughs> something I about the makeup like of their hotel room. Uh, I like it, this because it's funny because he he's uh, sleeping on a chair and you know in eyesight of her and he wakes up and there's a rat in the middle of the floor and he pulls out a gun. I'm like, is he about to blow this rat away? I'm like, I would do it <laughs> totally. But I'm like, is James Bond that afraid of rat? And like, it's also a sadistic move for for James Bond. But it's it's really funny. It's <laughs> <Just> like, please, <laughs> who sent you? <laughs> like, at least he can make himself laugh. That's pretty good. And then the the rat just you know he was gonna go get some of that floor cheese, but I guess uh, homegirl cleaned it up already. And he goes into a little hole. And it's a real A to D uh, logic here. I don't know how he he pieced this together, but you, you remember what happens here? No, I don't remember the details of how he gets in there, but I just yeah, remember the reveal of how they, like, what they discover in there was very frustrating, where it's like, uh, oh, okay. So, Mr. White was, Mr. White was planning this, I don't know, assassination or coup or whatever from the beginning. Like, so he's yeah. been working for this organization all this time, and he has, like, a secret chamber set up in a hotel that he's been 
maintaining for decades. It's it's all 19, very 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 convenient. He has a 1960s CIA spy room in a fucking hotel in Tangier that hasn't been found. Uh, yeah, that hasn't been found. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, so we we learned that uh, the doctor she had a, she didn't have a good relationship with her father. She didn't like her father, and. Uh, She's kind of dealing with that in her own way. Like, I'm not sure. I've never lost a parent, and it's probably very difficult for somebody um, who didn't, who had a parent that they didn't like, and they harbor some resentment, and that person dies. It probably, it probably messes with you. Um, they don't really tell us that through her character, but uh, she just kind of drinks about it. But then she goes into this room and she sees pictures of her, and she's like, "Well, maybe my dad wasn't so bad. I guess he did kind of like me a little bit." Um, <laughs> and then James Bond turns on this fucking computer from like the 1980s. It comes right yeah. on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it oh, comes by on. the way, uh, the way he he gets entry to the secret chamber, he punches the wall. <laughs> oh, he uh i think he picks up uh, yeah that's exactly what he does it was kind of funny. <laughs> he literally he punches the wall <laughs> i forgot about that it's pretty good he does just punch straight through it like hulk uh i think he picks up javier bardem's character he picks up his interrogation tape which was a huge uh a huge thing in skyfall was like that's why he left mi6 was like the cyanide capital cap uh the cyanide thing in his fake tooth was supposed to kill him. It didn't kill him. It just fucked yeah. up his throat. Um, I think he picks up that tape. I think that's who it was. But yeah, there's um, there's a lot of like details sprinkled throughout this movie that are are meant to tie together all the Daniel Craig movies. Like I said, they did not know what they were doing from the start, so this is all being pieced together on the fly. Yeah, it's it not like it's it. not terribly well executed. So basically, what we're building to is that uh, the organization name is of course Spectre. Uh, uh, it was referred to as Quantum before they fully committed the, uh, to the idea of resurrecting Spectre, which has long been a part of the James Bond universe. But all all the previous villains, uh, Le Chiffre of uh, Mads Mikkelsen, um, Dominic Green, who I can't even remember the guy's name. It was Matthew Amalric. He's another Frenchie. And uh, Raul Silva, uh, who would be Javier Bardem, of course. All of them were part of this organization. So the idea is Bond has been in a constant struggle with a singular organization. All of these things have been tied together. It's supposed to carry some weight. It doesn't really, especially since, truthfully, Dominic Green, the character from Quantum of Solace, was the one who is like most in bed with the organization. But he's also the one that, if I remember right, they like they show like hazy images of both Mads Mikkelsen and Javier Bardem in the opening sequence for the movie. I don't think they showed him. <laughs> it's like, I know he's from the movie that everybody hates, but come on. He's like the one who's really tied in with the organization. Like you could argue that Javier Bardem was like a rogue agent because he yeah, was in it for that's himself. That's exactly what he was. He was, a, he was. A rogue. Yeah. Yeah. But he's the uh, character that's more liked and is from the movie. That's more liked. So, so I, <laughs> I guess what her dad picked up on was there was a location in the desert somewhere that that's where we need to go, and we you get can only the get good there. Part. We get yeah. So I this this was fun. So we're on a fucking train now. <laughs> I'm yeah. like now we're traveling to another place. <laughs> we're on a train. 
I it's, yeah. it's just ridiculous. Around the world in eighty day eighty eight days is probably there's probably less traveling in that fucking movie. Um so yeah, we get on uh, uh the train and he's like, Listen, I need to show you how to he's talking to the French lady. He's like, Listen, I need to show you how to use a gun. She's like, I don't like guns. He's like, What? I need to show you how to use it because if they if they take you or something I need to that you need to be able to protect yourself. And before she picks up the gun, I'm like, I bet this lady's a full blown Batman. Like she's <laughs> just like she's a secret badass, like something like that. She he shows her how to do the gun. She does it really quick and is like, oh, maybe she does know what she's doing. I'm like, yep, telling you, she knows what she's doing. And then they go on a fucking date in the train. I'm like, are you kidding me? You have to stop this movie so he can bang her. Like yeah, that's he, what you're gonna do. She she packed a dress. <laughs> yeah, she looked good. I mean, they both yeah. look they look really good. And I'm literally writing like in almost all caps. I say 90 minutes, and he's just going to bang someone again. And as I'm writing, I look up, and it happens. And I'm like, finally a fight. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. so I was, excited. I was begging for the scene from minute one because I, unlike you, I knew Batista was in it. And I was like. At this point in his career, this is why you hire Dave Bautista. Yeah. This is why he's in your movie, and he does not disappoint. Um, needs to be said, before we get into the fight, though, um, relating to Casino Royale, because there are some callbacks. Um, Ava Green and Daniel Craig, their first meeting is on a train, uh, and he and her hit it off very well, and they have a unique relationship that's... Well, unique to the Bond franchise, anyway, for the most part. And I feel like maybe that was intentional, where it's like we have this bonding experience between the Bond girl and Bond again on a train. And that's what was really weird about this movie, is it didn't feel earned, I guess. Because they're really pushing this gal as, like, I don't know, his equivalent or, like, somebody that he could legit fall in love with. Yeah, uh, but I never no... really... Yeah, they have nothing. Like they have no Nothing. chemistry other than they're both handsome people. They barely talk to each other in this movie. Yeah, and you can tell that they're really pushing for it, especially by the time we get to the very end, where it's like, yeah, they, they're supposed to be like a couple now or something, but it just never quite got to the point. But you can tell they that was the intention. Yeah. But anyway, uh, if I remember right, Batista just kind of walks up on them when they're having dinner or something. Out of nowhere. Yeah, he just walks yeah, up out of nowhere. He stomps into the frame. It's like, oh shit. It's pretty and amazing. He, he This was good, and I, I actually appreciate this. You can see James Bond having difficulty. It's kind of like when the Punisher fought the... Uh, the, the Russian? The Russian. Uh, he's just like getting his ass beat and thrown around. Like, Another pro wrestler fight. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Nash. This, this was good. I like this. This was it was a lot of fun. I was laughing. Like I was having a good time with this. because uh, he's just uh, throwing it, Daniel Craig around like a rag doll. Who is Daniel Craig's a beefcake and he's just like wiping the floors with this guy. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's I mean in the in the words of the immortal JR, this was a slobber knocker. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I really love the property damage on the train. Like oh, shit yeah. gets smashed. And anytime somebody goes through a wall, I'm I'm just that's that's me in heaven watching this, people fly through walls. <laughs> this bar car is fucked. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. And you know, bottles are smashed. And like you said, James Bond gets thrown around. It's it's a pretty roughly choreographed fight. Like you can tell these guys took some bumps. And I appreciate that. Yeah. And Batista has some moments here where he his greatest gift as a physical performer is intensity. 
like as a as a former pro wrestler i'm sure he has very good control um i don't know of any stories of him being uh overly rough or un unfair to his you know fellow performers which is good because a lot of pro wrestlers are shit talkers behind the scenes yeah. but he uh, his greatest gift though is that he he can make it look real like he can he can make it look like he's out to murder somebody and he has a couple oh, yeah. of moves in here that uh, my favorite one is towards the end of the fight where uh, there's a lot of forward momentum in the fight which is fitting being as we're on a train <laughs> um i think they're in like the it's not the dining car it's more like the kitchen i guess and they're yeah. going through they're going through some like some curtains basically like some plastic curtains that separate the kitchen from the dining car and daniel craig's like running backwards and kind of desperate like throwing stuff at him he's like yeah. very casually just shrugging it off but he has this one beat where he just breaks into like a full sprint out of nowhere at close range and i don't know if it was stunt daniel craig or not but it looked like he fucking murdered his torso <laughs> like it's like that that would break some bones yeah, this this is a lot of fun. Um, the the conclusion so, of the fight was a bit of a disappointment, if you ask me. Yeah, he he backhand knocks out the doctor, which I believe he could. Uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I thought as a kid watching Arnold movies that when you become an adult, you can knock people out with one punch. That's not true. He probably <laughs> can, but not every adult can. And he he lays her out with a backhand, but uh, she comes back and shoots a gun at him and uh, he's tussling with Daniel Craig and and you're just watching it you're like he's going to go out that rope's going to take him out with the kegs and the mm -hmm. chains. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, Batista gets his uh, one word in this mm -hmm. movie and since it's one word, I'm not entirely sure what the accent is, but I don't think it's Latino any kind of uh, Latin accent, but he just goes shit. It, I believe it, it, it sounded, sounded Russian. Yeah, it sounded Eastern European at the very yeah. least, um, yeah. and it also sounded dubbed, which is weird. Um, yeah, you give him one. Yeah, word I was very disappointed in this. Yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. he was going to come also, back. Honestly, I thought he was going to come back. Which would have been really <laughs> funny like, if he came back. Well, I mean, it's I don't like, think that killed it's, him. It's like fucking tradition. Like, I actually can't remember exactly which James Bond movie it is, but the. Oh, uh, from Russia with love. Uh, no, End of the movie. Task. <laughs> random task. <laughs> random task. Honestly, who throws a shoe? Um, honestly. But yeah, the end of uh, from Russia with love uh, famously had the scene where the evil evil lady shows up dressed up as a maid and she comes at him with a, a foot knife. It's amazing because it comes out of nowhere because he and his he and his lady are just kind of having drinks or breakfast and the maid has a knife on her foot and starts kicking it's at him. It's James Bond. He's having drinks with breakfast. Yeah, and man with the golden gun had the the little person from uh, Fantasy Island. He shows up at the very end when when it feels like everything's resolved, and it's it's like a Bond movie tradition where like somebody shows up at the end, like in a slasher movie, and it's like ah, he's not really dead. And it would have been great if Batista showed up just at the last second, and you get your uh, end of Die Hard moment or something where she saves where he just him, shoots him in the head. Yeah, that would be yeah, where cool. she like she... shoots him like for james bond it's like that's why i love you or something like that <laughs> but um, anyway so yeah, that i mean they, what we just talked about is the best scene in the whole movie, the whole movie. <laughs> um, all downhill from I'm, here <laughs> i was happy because i'm like the movie's gonna move along and they're not gonna bang oh no they bang they definitely bang uh i can't believe i didn't think that was gonna happen um uh, 
they bang, and then they get to uh, a train station out in the middle of nowhere by themselves, and they're just this is so stupid. Um, James Bond is literally walking into the hands of the enemy, like. He's sitting at this train station like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. I've got my gun. I'm like, why the fuck do you need your gun? They're going to take it from you. This is what you want. And uh, he said, like, she's like, what's that? And he's like, I can tell you exactly what that is. That's an old-ass fucking Rolls Royce. He says the ear <laughs> and shit. Um, and then a guy comes out and he's like, this way, please. And they, they get in the car and they they come to um, a, a comp. The best thing I can say is, is a giant compound. Uh, it's... A mansion with satellites and maybe a water filtration system. I'm not real sure. And it's surrounded by, uh, a, I guess, a little mountain or like it, it's not in a canyon, but it's got a rock fortress with an entrance. I guess it's, is the it's best. a it's a crater of some sort that has a facility oh, built. Yeah, inside. well, that's exactly what it is. It's it's yeah. made from a crater, exactly. as we'll find out. Um, um, yeah, they they go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, they get brought into the facility, and is this where we get the crater explanation about the meteorite? Oh my god, I was watching this, and immediately, Joe Dirt popped in my head. <laughs> I saw Green. this thing, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm like going through the dialogue with, as like, <laughs> like uh, Christoph Waltz comes into the room with the meteor, and uh, he's like, like, like the meteor? And he's like, well, it's not a meteor. And they came out of the sky and he's like well I don't I don't doubt that at all but you see airplanes dump their toilets at 36,000 feet and the stuff freezes and falls to earth we call them Boeing bombs he's like no that can't be this is a meteor he's like you see the peanut it's a dead giveaway alright <laughs> but yeah he he tells him this is like the, the power struggle exchange they have uh, oh I got your video back there we go um, oh I don't know how that happened, but uh, yeah. So they have an exchange. It's kind of like, well, you're fucked now, and you're fucked now, James <laughs> Bond. And James Bond's like, well, actually, no, you're fucked. And uh, neither one. It, it's just kind of a dumb exchange that they have. Um, and there's a there's a there's a history here between the two of them. You kind of get the feeling. Yeah, they, I mean, when when Christoph Waltz was first introduced, like he he knew him by name. He was pleased to see him. You get a sense there's some history. Um, it's funny because you know I expected more from Christoph Waltz, a lot more. Um, yeah, You're, I feel I like it, unfortunately I don't think it's a hundred percent the script's fault. I feel like maybe he phoned it in a little bit. Um, needs to be said. I'm, I'm watching it right now. Where he's actually doing the meteorite speech and uh, his outfit. Uh, he's wearing loafers with no socks. <laughs> That's how you. Know, how much money do you make? Uh, if you have no socks and loafers on, you make a lot of money. Uh, he's he is very comfortable. He um, is he's <laughs> like um, he's Bond villain rich. So he's like not even in Forbes rich. So God only knows how much money this guy has. But he well, definitely yeah. doesn't have socks. That that's where things start to get goofy. Here is the. Uh, not only the origins of this character, who at this point in the oh film is named Oberhauser, uh, that's that's the worst aspect of the script. But not only that, but the resources he has at his command. It's like what? Yeah. It's like how? how who are how your you, investors? How, yeah. How does one acquire this much this wealth and and finances and connections? Not only like 
who is this person? <laughs> like, like uh, are you are you like a former president of a country or something? <laughs> um, it's nuts. We forgot. We forgot to mention the other, the subplot of the movie is the shutting down of uh, the double O program. Exactly. And, and um, Ray Fiennes has basically been told by the little weasel guy, like, listen, you can't keep control of your agents and you've been shut down immediately. So you're done. Uh, yeah. This is where we get the grand reveal of, uh, of what, why we keep cutting back to these like session hearings and stuff. Uh, is basically uh, Spectre has, is this international terrorist organization and their plan was to commit terrorism all over the world and create a need for this this uh, international uh, it's called the Nine Eyes program by the way um, for the Weasley guy to give him the pull that he needs in order to enact this so Spectre's pulling the strings behind behind the curtain basically um and it needs to be said uh the specter headquarters here it's basically just a row of computers it's a bunch of bunch of nerds and black jumpsuits on computers <laughs> i a bunch of nerds that i'm assuming are under like nazi germany uh like discipline like i have a feeling because the Christoph Walsh just kind of walks up to one of the guys and he just moves immediately. I'm like, how many people have they seen shot in the head because they couldn't log on fast enough or because they didn't move out of the way fast enough? He runs a tight operation. A lot of yeah. a lot of nerds have died in the making of this. No, the these guys don't even fortress. have cubicles. Like they're just no. like side by side, chair by chair. <laughs> they're just watching they're just watching cameras. Um and yeah, he Let's them see this little video of Ray Fiennes talking to everybody in a room, and then, man, what do they even do? Like they, he, they just like we're, now we're gonna torture you. Uh, yeah. Um, we get a lot of exposition from Christoph Waltz, and then he gets <laughs> James Bond gets taken back into the whitest room ever made. It's uh, painful. Yeah, it, it burns the eye. It stings the nostrils. Stings uh, the nostrils. <laughs> it burns the nostrils. It burns um, the eyes. Yeah. Um, yeah, he gets taken back into a torture room. And I think at this point is when we finally get the explanation of why Christoph Waltz has this hate boner for uh, Daniel Craig. Dumbest fucking thing. The dumbest. The dumbest it's fucking thing. It's so stupid. So, do you want to tell it or do you want me to? Because <laughs> I'm not going to be as eloquent. <laughs> so, I mean, this is this is bad. <laughs> this is well, really me, bad. Before he tells the story, let me yeah. explain what happens to Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig is in a clockwork orange chair. and He's got a thing around his head. He's strapped down. They left his watch on. Apparently, they know nothing about James Bond because they left his watch <laughs> on. So, while... Christoph Waltz is trying to be a villain. He's doing a horrible job at it. He's not doing any of his fun stuff like he did in Inglorious Bastards, where you just want to punch him. You're like, oh. Here he's just like talking. He's like, do you want to know what we've been up to here? It's super awesome. I've just been <laughs> developing this computer to torture people on, basically. Yeah, and I have these little robot arms and are hooked up to a computer. It's so stupid. He he He's like, uh, I mean... You probably know at this point, CIA agents go through training for like, like for torture basically, uh, and he's like, oh yeah, well you think your torture training is gonna work? 
this was pretty like this was hurting me. They dr- he drills a hole into his cheek and then he's hitting a nerve, I guess, under his tooth, and it looks mm-hmm. excruciating. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he's just like, "Yeah, we're just getting started now." And then he's the lady's like, "You got to stop it." And he's like, "Oh, you said something. Let me tell you the dumb plot of this movie." Please, Trevor, take it away. Uh, okay, so James Bond is strapped into this robot chair that has these tiny little drills hooked up to it, and he's he gets drilled a couple times actually. In fact, one of them goes into his fucking brain, not just a nerve inside his jaw. Um, and yeah, it does look excruciating. Very well designed torture device. Um, too much. This was too well. Too well designed. Too well. It's yeah. It's too specialized. Yes. Um, but yeah, the the plot and. Uh, the way Christoph Waltz introduces this is by um, alluding to a cuckoo, cuckoo bird. So he makes reference to this several times in the film. It gets a little irritating, but he uses this phrase, this phrase cuckoo, cuckoo, uh, because apparently a cuckoo bird is like a parasitic bird in the sense that it kicks other eggs out of other birds' uh, nests and then plants their eggs in there and has an has a surrogate uh, like sit on the eggs for them. It's kind of a dick move. So uh, the history between James Bond and this character, Oberhauser, uh, is that James Bond, who, as I mentioned earlier, is was an orphan, uh, was adopted by Oberhauser's father, uh, which would make them like not blood brothers, but brothers. Uh, and I guess Oberhauser took offense because he felt that James Bond was receiving more of his father's love. So at some point, it wasn't an avalanche that killed James Bond's father. It was organized by Oberhauser because he was jealous. And so somehow, through all manner of shenanigans, not only did James Bond grow up to become a secret agent, somehow Oberhauser committed himself 100% to becoming a supervillain. <laughs> Because Which I, I don't dad, know how one goes down that career path, but he did it. Because his dad took in James Bond, he becomes a supervillain mm-hmm. later in life. Yeah, I, I don't couldn't. Know how, I was again. I don't know how one draws up like their their five to ten year plan to do that. Let alone is somehow aware that their their not blood related brother becomes a secret agent because doesn't that like isn't the secret part of it a big part of it <laughs> it's really dumb it's uh, really dumb it, i don't know what they were thinking uh we try to be half glass full here but i actually couldn't believe it while i was sitting here i'm like wait no way it's bad that. it's bad but yeah um oberhauser stages his own death and finally uh, i told you i think before we went on the air that uh from the moment christoph waltz was cast in this film in an anonymous role Everyone and their mother just said, oh, yeah, he's, he's going to be Blofeld. And the studio was adamant against, like, not admitting that. They're like, no, 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 he's not Blofeld. He's Oberhauser. So we have this stupid thing in the movie where his real name isn't revealed until the very end of the movie. This movie may as well be called Blofeld Begins because we get all the building blocks of the character introduced. In fact, during this torture scene is when the white cat enters into yeah, the picture for no that. fucking reason other than fan service just to like point out to the idiots in the cheap seats it's fucking blowfeld it's that guy that was in the other james bond movies i knew what i knew that was telling me something i'm like this is telling me something about one of the old james bond movies i get it uh <laughs> i get what you're doing here 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, the the exposition. Basil exposition. Uh, <laughs> we've been given the exposition, and the French girl's like, oh, no, no. She runs over, and I, I, I didn't write it down because I'm like, you're not gonna forget that. She's like, I love you. And I'm like, how <laughs> the fuck do you love him? You've known him for 48 hours. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy into it, unfortunately. But maybe if they would... had like, if they had dated when like. If she, when she was in college, which was about ten years ago, maybe that I could believe. But See, this is this is part of why you ought to watch Casino Royale, because the circumstances of their relationship are similar. Um, but but his uh, his romantic interest in that film is done right, and you do buy into it. Whereas this one, it's like I don't I don't get it. What the fuck? <laughs> but um, um, during this torture scene, I actually had a moment where a I, I like I told, like I said on the air before, I had my own ending for The Dark Knight Rises written in my head while I was watching the movie, mm-hmm. and then I was sorely disappointed when it didn't happen. I had a similar thing happen here, where I think maybe I was just like dumb, dumbfounded by how bad things were turning out, that I was desperate to like pivot things in a different direction. But if I remember right, and I could be wrong, so correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, while James Bond is getting a needle inserted into his fucking brain. Uh, Blofeld makes mention of the fact that I'm like I'm piercing a nerve that'll make it so you can't identify people any longer. Yeah, so like, he, you you won't recognize anyone, and that, I'm, yeah. I'm hurting you because you love this woman. She loves you, and if I do this to you, you won't know who she is. Correct. And this doesn't enter into the picture. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. I'm like I knew it wasn't going to either. I'm like he's still gonna know who she is. He's still see. He, see, I would have been thrilled to see that happen though. Where like imagine he saves. See, okay, I'm gonna start moving this along because we've been talking about this fucking torture for a long time. But what, basically, Trevor, some, in our some, in our defense, this is the this was what the whole movie was leading to, and so far the series has been leading to why all this and well, to be a hundred percent fair, I have the movie playing right now, and since we started talking about. It, the torture sequence is still happening. (laughs) We still haven't finished the scene. But yeah, through some shenanigans, he uses his wristwatch to cause an explosion. Uh, Christoph Waltz takes a header. Uh, You know, you get the sense that he's going to come back, but the property damage that happens here is absolutely nutters, as the wrist would say. (laughs) It's tremendous. Joe Rogan, it's tremendous. Joe Rogan. (laughs) Joe Rogan, with a C and an H. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What what happened here, I I was kind of, again, writing my own story here, where as soon as he causes the explosion, and they start to break out of the facility, there's this big, chaotic action scene where he is just sniping people left and right. It's pretty cool, actually. It's it's cool to the point of being it's cool to the point of being like total recall. Where okay, I was getting yeah. the sense that like maybe this is maybe this isn't actually happening the way we're seeing it cuz he is very handily just wiping the fucking floor with all these henchmen. Like he's, he's casually sniping people. He's gone through a lot of training, but if you <laughs> I hate to be a cannon snob, but a big part of the plot in Skyfall is that he was injured and unable to aim very well, uh, which Obviously, does not come into play in this movie because by the time we get to the end of this one, we get some diehard with a vengeance bullshit with pistols. <laughs> well, well, let's see here. He's uh, he he should he probably has a concussion. 
Uh, he's definitely fractured something. He has uh, two he, holes in his brain. <laughs> he has. He's jet lagged. He is uh, probably drying out a little bit um, from the booze. Like he hasn't had a drink in a few hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not doing. He shouldn't be doing very well. And then yes, he's just been like he's been tortured a little bit. I don't know if you stubbed your toe or like re- like really fucked yourself up, but like. For a few minutes afterwards, you're like, man, kind of listless. Like, I don't really want to move. He was getting tortured. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'd need a nap after that. Like, he absolutely. Was, that that drill. Uh, yeah, I'm like, I need a minute. No, I'm, I'm watching it right now, dude. He's like marching through this facility like the goddamn Terminator, and his bullets just will not miss. To the point that, like I said, I was getting a total recall vibe. Where it's like, is this, is this really happening? Head? Yeah, is this all in his head? And what I was expecting, what I was kind of wanting. Was, see, he doesn't say a fucking word to her while he's escorting her out of the facility, and we get... I think this was actually the largest gasoline explosion of its day in the film. This was a massive explosion. He blows up the entire facility with an assault rifle. How the fuck does one do that? Oh, no, no, but, no. He's going to do some crazier shit later. He is. But what I was expecting here was uh, he saves her, and then like they're getting on the helicopter to leave, and he's like, he doesn't know who she is. And I think that would have actually carried a lot of weight where it's like, oh, shit. Like, he did all that for her, but it's like he's just doing his job, kind of. Yeah. And, and it would create an interesting dynamic where it's like she just confessed that she loves him and he has no feelings for her. <laughs> or at least he can't he can't find those feelings because he doesn't know who she is. Anymore. But long story no. short, uh, Christoph Waltz is not confirmed for dead. And now we're on a helicopter back to London and we get probably the dumbest portion of the film that feels like it was very heavily tacked on uh <laughs> yeah it was uh i was checking out here pretty i'm like okay this this is two and a half hours by the way <clears throat> i mean batista's uh, been dead for like a half hour by now and it's like oh man <laughs> uh so i actually don't remember so the ray finds is uh approached by naomi harris and yeah. cloud atlas and they're like Sir, we got to help James Bond. He's like, we can't help Bond, and he like walks out, and then they uh, they go to a safe house because they're gonna help James Bond. Um, and they're like, is this uh, is this safe house secure? He's like, well, we'll find out. And then James Bond's just inside the safe house. And he's like, yeah, it's fine. Uh, and he's talking um, homegirls, the French girls there. Like, here's the plan: we have to go find. Um, you guys have to go get the nerd, that, that wormy guy, and mm. then I'm going to go get um, something else. I don't know what his what his plan was to go do. But they're going to ha- basically hack into um, the wormy guy's system so that it doesn't go live. Because if it goes live at midnight, like Skynet, it's just going to completely take over. Mm. Um, and they some shenanigans happen. Uh, okay. There's, there's, <laughs> there, there's, a, there's some problems. So I think you're about there's there. there are numerous problems here, but yeah, basically the Scooby Squad get together. Uh, consists of M, uh, Ray Fiennes, uh, Money Penny, Naomi Harris, uh, some character by the name of Bill Tanner, who's just some British guy that he he was like a just an anonymous agent, like a handler or something that was in the background of, of all the Daniel Craig movies for the most part. Yeah, and in nerd. this one, he get he he gets promoted. No, he's not the nerd. He's he's oh. like he's like Judy Dench's aide or something. Um, mm. And this one, he gets promoted to Scooby Squad status. Uh, and then Q Ben Wishaw and 
yeah, uh, basically we're all going to head out. We're all going to try to stop Nine Eyes, the uh, computer program, Skynet. Um, and the dumbest fucking thing happens here where Miss Swan decides, I've had enough. I'm leaving. <laughs> and she literally walks away from the fucking mission before they go. And I was like, what was the point of that? And why do you still love her after that? Um, but yeah, we all head out, and this is where this is where some of the shenanigans about Spectre start to get too numerous to the point where it's like, okay, this is getting stupid, guys. Like, so this this international organization that has been prepping for years to enact this Nine Eyes program that you know potentially could give them dominion over the entire world. Their 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 security force for this consists of like two SUVs. Yeah. Like that's that's it. <laughs> Just like two SUVs in London. It's like you guys have uh, in Quantum of Solace there is a no, there was a phrase used like they have people everywhere. It's like apparently they don't have that many people in London <laughs> cuz goddamn. No. Like this is the most important moment in the history of their organization and they have two SUVs of of thugs. That's it. <laughs> so the Scooby Squad get like into a scuffle with some guys in a tunnel, um, and then I think James Bond breaks off and he's heading to the MI6 building, uh, which is prepped for demolition uh, because they're closing down MI6 apparently in the Double O program. Uh, continuity thing here is that uh, in Skyfall, if you remember, uh, Javier Bardem bombed the building, so it's not in great shape to begin with. Yeah. So we're we're trying to remind the audience here that there's history here. Yeah. Uh, so he he goes into the building and Ray finds is going to go to the wormy guy and so jo- Bond is going through the building and already he's a little leery because there's a little spray paint there's a little graffiti on the wall that says James Bond and then there's an arrow so he's like fuck all right so he's. <laughs> Walking through this place, checking behind all the corners and shit. He's walking through, walking through. And then we get to um, a group of uh, 13 ghosts room with uh, the pictures of all the dead people. All the all the past villains. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen, um, Judy Dench, Javier Bardem, a couple other people. And then he turns a corner and he just starts shooting at a dude. Uh and the dude is Christoph Waltz, but he's behind a glass case, and mm-hmm. he's got the Doctor Evil scar yeah, on his so eye. So this is Blofeld begins. This is him, the origin of him getting a scar. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and they have a dialogue exchange here. It needs to be said: this movie, like I said, came out in 2015. So the Marvel movies and the Dark Knight trilogy were all a big thing. Skyfall had a lot of similarities to the Dark Knight, in particular. This one, this whole conclusion felt very Joker-esque. Batman? Oh, this is definitely a Batman move. 100% yeah. a Batman move. That's the first thing I thought of. He's like, he's like, you get two choices. You can mm-hmm. either save yourself or you can save the girl. <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to do a Christoph Waltz. It's, it's kind of hard. You sound like Swedish uh, chef. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. Hurdish party. Hurdy-gurdy. He's just like, this uh, building is rigged to blow up. And he he pushes the button, and he's like, you're bluffing. I'm like, fuck, no, he's not bluffing. Are you kidding me? He's a super villain. He's not bluffing. And he pushes the button, and he's like, maybe you can find her. And 
this is pretty stupid. Um, mm. There's a tussle with uh, Ray Fiennes and the wormy guy. He's like, your, your days are up, wormy guy. And uh, <laughs> the wormy guy's like, no, your days are up. And the wormy guy pulls out a gun to shoot Ray Fiennes. And this is like, well, now we know what the C stands for. And I'm like, he's going to call him cunt. And uh, he just says, careless. And he had taken all the bolts out of the gun. So they have him and uh, they have a scuffle and he ends up getting knocked off the balcony and the wormy guy dies. Um, yeah, they, they do a bit of the Man of Steel thing here where uh, Ray finds gives a look towards the camera where it's like, oh, you can, you're supposed to understand that he didn't mean to kill him. Like, he no, he felt didn't mean kind to. Of, he felt kind of bad that he, he dropped and he died, but he did. So, too bad. Oh, no, that's a guy you want to see in prison, because he's not going to do well. Um, <laughs> he, so yeah, and then we, we cut back to, um, he, James Bond is just running through a giant building, and he has three For minutes. 20 fucking minutes. He is three minutes, three. 20 minutes in the movie, uh, he's mm-hmm. running around, and, uh, he goes to, there's a helicopter, which has, uh, Christoph Waltz. And it's just kind of hovering and kind of watching the building. And mm-hmm. he comes to a, a space where it's wide open. And he's just like looking at the helicopter. And then he hears a, the. It was funny. And the, I had the subtitles on because this movie is very frustrating because they talk British. So they mumble and it's super quiet. And mm-hmm. then the music kicks in and it's like a fucking concert. So I have to like keep it really low because when the music kicks in, it's crazy loud. So I had the subtitles on, but it's like swan uh whimpering or uh, swan yelling the, the character swan yelling um and she's just like behind a weird door or something and he gets her out immediately and uh, they have 45 seconds to get out yeah and they jump into the like the the wiring the for the explosives it's a that, net there's that forms there's a, a net yeah there's a net no it's there's just an actual net down at the oh. bottom yeah, it looks like something out of like, I don't know, like a Nickelodeon game show. Or something. Exactly, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> but yeah, they and, they jump down the net and they obviously escape the explosion. Yeah, there's needs a to boat be said, down. Uh, I was just gonna say the uh, this whole sequence of exploring the building. No joke, this takes a long time. Like, it's it a very feels long. long. It is long. the The score for this movie is quite good. Again, Thomas Newman. But this entire sequence is there's just this like thrumming guitar that's going over and over and over and over and over again, and it got on my nerves when it's in the theater, <laughs> especially since it carries on from the moment he enters the MI6 building to the like the climax on the bridge, and it's it's like a twenty to thirty minute stretch of time where the same music is playing. It's like oh my god, this is too much. Um, but yeah, they escape the explosion, and what? Christoph Waltz is in a helicopter, and he and he and his gal get in a boat. Yeah, they get in a boat, and James Bond shoots the helicopter down with not just a handgun, his little handgun, his little James Bond handgun. He shoots the helicopter down. I di- didn't I mention Die Hard with a Vengeance? <laughs> he shoots the helicopter down with his little gun. It crashes onto a bridge, and. At first, I was real excited because I'm like, "Oh my god, he's gonna burn! He's gonna watch him burn to death in a helicopter." I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be awesome! This is gonna be a no. great death." No, no, Kyle, no, no, Kyle. Of course we can't do that. No, what we should have done 
what we should have done was the helicopter crashes, uh, a fire hydrant gets hit, and then we get artificial rain, and then Daniel Craig gives his lady his coat and says, hold my coat, I'm going to go beat his ass. And then, <laughs> and then Danny Glover shows up, and he's like, it's on my property. <laughs> it's okay, yeah. it's self-defense. You want a <laughs> shot at the title? Yeah, exactly. That That's and, the ending we needed. <laughs> no, I wanted him to... I wanted James Bond to look on as Christoph Waltz died in a symphony of screams. Uh, oh, then we, that we get be better. Gary Busey to, to step in for Christoph Waltz. Like he could be a stunt double or something. They look similar. <laughs> they have similar is she, patterns. Is this she water or salt? Is this she water or fresh water? I can't tell. I lost two. my taste buds in a, in, a, in a tragic accident about two years ago. Meatballs up. Two of them. <laughs> Utah. Give me two. Utah. <laughs> Hey, so, yeah, this is where I was like, okay, just leave me something. Give me something at the end of this. Give me a good Bond villain death. Mm-hmm. No he such. crawls out of the helicopter. He's using no emotion. Nothing. He has nothing on his face. He's not like, he's just like, finish it. Go ahead. Finish it. And he's not even like desperate or like calling his bluff. He's doing neither one mm-hmm. as like, as far as emoting. And James Bond just is like, no, and like unloads his gun. He's like, out of bullets. And Christoph Waltz just looks, he just watches him like a cat. Like a cat watching you walk across <laughs> the room. That's just what he's doing. He's just laying on the ground. And then they come and arrest him. Yeah, there needed, that, there, there needed to be some parting words of some sort. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm forever jealous of Willem Dafoe. For the fact that he got to he got to say the phrase on camera, "We'll meet again, Spider Man." <laughs> that would have been nice. Yeah, we'll meet like, again, James Bond, uh, or something. Or maybe something if he like just that. Would, I'm like, just kick him in the face or something. Nothing. They just stare at each other on a bridge, and then <sighs> then he then James Bond. I'm sorry, that's the end of the movie, pretty much. James Bond goes to Q and gets that car, and then drives off in the sunset with the the French lady. I mean, that's the ending but there's obviously going to be another one um well are they going to continue this thread of christoph waltz are they going to bring him back for the i i don't know what the plan is and that's that's what's been difficult about uh the bond movies is that but they made it difficult for themselves actually is like like i said it's actually very unusual for bond movies to have continuity like usually, there's there's carryover in the form of common actors from movie to movie, and maybe a few recurring characters. But character growth and like changes in the environment, like for instance, the MI6 building, like having continuity where it's like, oh yeah, it was damaged in the previous film, and in this film we're we're demoing it. That's stuff that generally doesn't happen in James Bond movies, and by by making it more complex like that, they're making it harder on themselves. And so, if they're, I'm a assuming because the next one is Daniel Craig's last, uh, they'll try to tie that one in with the with the canon of his tenure as Bond. But I don't know where you go from here. Um, I have no idea what the plan is in terms of story. They're, they're usually very protective about that kind of stuff until they're absolutely ready uh, to figure it out. But, I mean, uh, Rami Malek is confirmed as the villain, so that's he'll turn in a good performance. He'll make uh, it weird. Uh, yeah, he'll make it weird. But yeah, the end, the end of Spectre. Um, what's funny about it is it feels like an end, not a good one, but 
he literally no. rides off into the sunset with this gal. No, it feels and... this feels a hundred percent like not an ending. This feels like we're setting really? up another movie. Yeah, because to me, you don't... It, it felt like he retired. Like he's you gonna just... go and live with her or whatever. Like you just, I mean, that's a sad ending, but like, no, you just tell it. You just told me because you did nothing to uh, Christoph Waltz. You just told me, oh, there's gonna be another movie. They haven't seen the last of each other. He's <laughs> gonna retire, but he's obviously gonna have to come back, or he's gonna be rogue. I mean, there's, there's just no way he's not going to. Uh, and then, well, then he goes, goes to see. <laughs> he goes rogue every other movie, so that's yeah. that's not unusual. <laughs> that's what I'm but... saying. He's not retiring. He's just doing the. They're gonna do the the, the thing where he's like whittling shit and like well, smoking on, a pipe and they're like James we need you back and he's like oh I retired and he's like it's the fucking it's the guy that you it's your kids Marty the <laughs> it's the guy you got in the last movie and like oh well, it, no it's Rambo oh, where he, no. he does he tries to retire and then somebody shows up on his doorstep and says yeah, some shit just, some shit's going down in Vietnam we need you again John um, I mean on Her Majesty's Secret Service is like unfairly regarded as the black sheep of the James Bond movies because it, it's the George Lazenby one. It's the Aussie Bond. Um, but famously, it has like one of the coolest endings where he, he literally gets married and then his lady gets assassinated at the end of the movie. Oh, that French um, girl's going to die. I mean, like, I, I hate to say it, but if I was to continue the story, that's how you do it. Yeah, you have to have her killed. Have him happily married and then something bad happens to her and then he has to get back into it. Um, and then you do the Logan thing or something where you go back to no gadgets bond or something where it's like, yeah. he's, it's like grim and gritty bond where it's like, it's, it's an old man action movie. Cause we're, we're swamped with those these days. Yeah. It's like old man beating up on young people cause they don't know better. <laughs> but for me personally, I, I looked at the end of this movie as like an intended ending to Daniel Craig's like time as bond because he literally rides off into the sunset with her yeah. but you know there's money on the table may as well take it um but yeah that was specter uh like i said new director next time around um i don't know how many feature films he has but it's a uh, carrie joji uh, fukunaga uh, who like i said did a. apparently he's most famous for true detective and okay. he's well regarded so it Potentially in very good hands. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Sam Mendes is a very good director, but uh, kind of lukewarm about both of his James Bond movies. And I like one of them. This one, I outright, outright dislike. So, so yeah, I'm happy. Good. I'm happy to see some new blood. Um, but yeah, I think we can both agree this wasn't a very good movie. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. But anyway. Uh, Thanks for joining us as we caught up on the latest of a franchise film, in this case, Spectre uh, from 2015. Um, what do you want to do next week, Kyle? Well, um, we, we, I need to get in to see the Godzilla movie. Um, so I think we'll probably end up dropping that the, for the next one. All right. Well, like I said, I've seen it. So as soon as you get that done, uh, we'll get that recorded. Anyway, uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, until next time. Yeah.